Welcome to episode 354 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 354 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good, Bevan, and you? Why are you very good? Oh, it's just, yeah, nice sunny day. I put a post on my Project 2014 yesterday and just put a little picture of the next four days weather in Christchurch. Is it going to be hot again? Yes. Well, it's, it's, we, live, we live in the tropics now, John, don't we? It, it is crazy. We've had the most ridiculous summer. Like, we don't want to start the show talking about weather, but the weather's been fantastic, isn't it? Mm, it has. Yeah, so we're loving it. Tell you. I'm talking is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Get your morning kick, get your afternoon kick, and get your night kick. Athlinks.com. Tell everyone about your kicks. Extreme endurance. And then kick in for us recovery. And that's it. That's it. You happy with that? Yep. yep. Happy I don't even know what you're doing. Yep. I, just, I just follow the leader. That's what I do. And this week's show, we've got happening. We've got a bit happening this week, actually. We have uh, news. We have an age group of the week. We have a website of the week. We have two interviews. We have from Yoga Sinku. We have Al. Al coming on, talking some some yoga basics. Great. And then we have DC Rainmaker, which is, you know, you guys love having him on the show. We thought, you know, because technology kind of is always evolving, we get him back on. So we got him on uh, for about 30 minutes. So yep. he's going to be on later on today's show. And then we have some questions and answers at the end. John, the biggest piece of news really this week is the cricket. It's not Ironman, Melbourne. It's the cricket. We're going to win the cricket, aren't we, John? Well, fingers crossed. You palms. For people who don't follow cricket, which is a lot of New Zealanders as it is, um, <laughs> uh, and a lot of palms probably don't either, but we are, I think, I think, I think we're, on, we think we're, there's about nine teams in the world that play cricket, nine countries that play Test it properly. Cricket. Yeah, and I think we're ranked either ninth or ninth. We're not that good. And England are ranked number two, and they're going down today. Yes, come on, come on, Kiwis. <laughs> I love it. Cri- if you listen to this tomorrow and we don't win, yeah. we're going to right fools. Oh, it could be a draw. They could bat out the day. You reckon? Highly unlikely. Yeah. Cricket is the best when they've got like six people crowded around the batsman yeah. and just in a little semicircle. It's brilliant. Oh, we're loving it. So, you, you, yeah, you guys are kicking ass at triathlon nowadays. Yes. But if we win cricket, we're the world's best. And they, nice segue, Bevan, because there was some serious ass kicking happening. Wow, in the, Melbourne. In the women's field at Melbourne. So I was working, I was working on Sunday, so I couldn't really keep up to date with, Sean, um, with, the, with what was happening in the race. But Porno kept texting me and he goes, The race is amazing. I was thinking, What's race? I couldn't even remember the race was on. Yeah. But he said that they were doing great coverage. Like, it was really, really good coverage. I, I didn't, I was, I was out most of the day, but I watched a little bit. Good old Cam Harper was uh, the front man. So uh, he was Cam's who you did the MCing with at yep. my race a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, How come I didn't get asked? And, and he, was, he was doing a really good job. Sort of, uh, I, I, I really like, people give Greg Welsh a really hard time and I think he's, um, he's pretty good, but yeah, no. I still think that Cam is, is more of a media type guy and can probably hold it together a little bit better. Well, Welsh is your go-to man, isn't he? Mm, you know, mm. you kind of have your feeder and then you have your expert go-to man mm. and Welsh is a bit of a character and so, yeah. you know, if you've got the right guy next to him, it, it should be a good relationship. Where he's normally put in the position where he is the leader yeah. and it doesn't, doesn't quite work sometimes. Um, 
But uh, okay, the, the coverage that I saw w- was good. Cam was doing a great job. They had Phil from first off the bike there as well when I was in there. wasn't quite so excited when they had the Minister of Tourism talking about stuff. Uh, no, they paid for their job. Yeah, I know. That's the only reason that race happens, because yeah. you're scratching somebody's back. <laughs> um, but the racing itself, uh, I want to start on the girl. Oh, we'll start on the, the general stuff first, because uh, terrible weather conditions. So what happened? So, so obviously the weather was terrible to the point where the swim had to be adjusted. And they knew this was coming, because um, I was racing organising at um, New Zealand Schools race on Thursday and the words were already coming out then, it's going to be incredibly windy whether the race even goes ahead in any shape or form was um, was oh, debatable the whole race? Well that's that's what I was hearing um, so it was not a surprise that the swim was altered, um, so what they did with the swim, um, they made a swim it sounded like it was about 1.6 to 1.9 k, so around about half the distance still sounded incredibly difficult, um, I had a girl that I was coaching that was, uh, that was vomited when she came out of the swim because she was so it was so rough. Oh, really? uh, she also came out about 100 metres away from where the finish um, line was. She had to walk up the beach to get to the come out the finishing chute. So it just sounded very, very rough, very, very choppy, lots of waves, and um, and it w- would not have been that big a deal for the uh, the pro athletes oh. um, and the good age groupers. But for the for the middle of the packers to the back of the packers, that would have been a real challenge. I think I saw that they maybe pulled about 70 people out of the swim. Um, so a lot of people really? did, did, okay, did not complete. So it's one of those things. They're never going to get it right. There's people complaining. Oh, they should have had, shouldn't have had the swim. They should have had the swim. They they delayed the start. It's just a crappy situation. And um, and and we weren't there, so we don't really have an opinion on whether they did the right or the wrong thing. But well, well, I, I know. you know, we've been talking recently about the amount of deaths in our sport. And uh, you know, it's, it's here comes my my question, my topic of the week, and we'll come to that shortly. Okay, it's a tough one, but isn't it? Yeah, but I, I think for the for the from the athlete's perspective, I think they should be. I mean, it's great that they got they got a swim, um, and what wasn't you know it stuffs up the times when you know you half the distance. But would you rather a shorter swim than, than no swim? And I think you'd say probably shorter swim. Now the question then becomes, how much did that influence the outcome of the race? Well, I think for the pros, probably very um, minimally. Um, but for for some of the age groupers, you know, if you're on the the verge of qualifying or not, then um, it could, then be, a could be quite a big deal. It would be an advantage and, for a guy who can't swim. Yeah, and, and, and swim. not just in terms of how much time you might lose um, in the swim. So, for example, you're going to lose a minute uh, in this in the swim, and you might have lost two to three minutes in the longer one it's going to change the dynamic on where you catch groups on the bike so it's not just about how much time you you you, you don't lose or you gain in the swim it, it, it does change the bike dynamics as well well and i saw some photos on facebook by a, a listener of the show yep and shaming people who are drafting they're at the race and they had photos of and he's got here are the drafters and there's it's pack riding it sounded horrendous yeah. and um and and this is a further call for wave starts yeah it sucks in terms of on the race you don't don't really know where you are. The spectators don't really can't really follow the race as well, but it's just becoming a joke, mm. a real joke. Yeah, like I don't name the person on the show who put the photos up there because they may not want to be, but it was it was pack riding. You know, like you see yeah. these photos and it's just packs of people and. Uh, and the times reflect that, both on the bike and on the run. You know, there's some fast run times there, and um, and that reflects now, probably these, an these look like they're age group because I don't think they're the top pros, yeah. but. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an ongoing issue, isn't it? Yeah, and there's, yeah. I'm losing sleep over it, John. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm so tired. So, so to the racing itself, um, incredible performance from Corinne uh, Abraham. Um, haven't really heard too much about her in the past. Well, John. Yes. 
uh, if you go to try247.com, yes. and I'll put a link to this, they've been writing stories about her for the last two years, John. They have, but her, her results are, are nothing to, well, to jump in, up. Third in, in Germany. Third, third, in, third in Arizona, um, third in Germany, and fourth in Texas last year. Very, very good results, but comparatively to, to what this, she, did, yeah. she did this, it was it was out of this world. So she, she's been hitting out sort of 9.15s in Arizona, 9.19 in Texas, uh, 9.21. So that's that's good. But um, this well, is... Well, I think, she, I think she's probably better than what we... She didn't come... Like, if she'd kind of gone to some third-tier race and got those kind of times or got those places, mm. but the races, she, she has but done yeah. good at good races. Yep, yep. But this is but a this is big step up. Yeah. So swim irrelevant. The, the time is irrelevant. But she was um, she was a fair way down in the swim. So she swam twenty eight twenty versus say Caroline Stephan who was twenty four minutes. So four four minutes give or take down out of the swim. She rode four forty two, wow. um, which is uh, is is very impressive. She Caroline Stephan did not have her A game there for whatever reason, and she put eleven minutes into her. But then you compare her time to some of the pros and. Uh, very very impressive it was it was similar to what Caroline Stephan did last year and we were all going, going yeah. on how amazing that ride was so she just crushed them on the bike and the other impressive one on the bike was Natasha Badman I'm pretty sure she was second off the bike but she rode 446 <laughs> so she is back on Formula she had a great Kona last year and uh, and she's back in the game and we'd say that's not a great run for Natasha is it? 316 is, is not her best year. She, you know, she, for, we, for her history now, she's 43 now, so oh no, how old is she now? Don't know. I don't know. Um, but at the same time, she, maybe she is getting a little bit slower just because of age, but mm. traditionally she would run a lot faster than 316. Mm. But then Corrine Abraham... 47. 47. 47. <laughs> Come on, girls. That Please. is... A, she's, she's just a special athlete, isn't she? Yeah. You know, obviously she won Kona six times, but... To be racing at this level mm. at 47. Impressive. Gee, she's impressive. Mm. Amazing. Uh, and then Kareen Abraham came home at a 256.50. So not only did she crush the bike, um, she just smashed that run to pieces. Well, she said on the bike that she felt good. She went out strong. She felt, I'm feeling strong. And she just felt she got stronger and stronger as the bike mm. went along. And obviously to the point where... She didn't, you know, risk the run, did she? No, so so an eight to ten fifty six, and and again, not under pressure. So you wonder how much quicker she could have gone. Um, so so let, let's say she she's not a great swimmer, clearly, but you know, yeah, let, let's add on half an hour. That's still an eight forty, um, which is which is very impressive. Yeah. So yeah, think of that way. 16 minutes ahead of Yvonne Van Vlerken, who That's a great race for her. She came through yep. with a strong run, three-hour run split um, for an 8.26. Because we're kind of saying she had fallen off the wagon recently. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and at this race, you know, which is one of the, the top four, mm. you know, for her to get a second there, she'll be over the moon, won't she? She will. Caroline Stephan just did, didn't seem to be on all day um, at 8.31. Still, third's third. Um, do, we, but, do we kind of start to say that Caroline's racing too much? Uh... I don't know. You can say that if you want to. Well, no, it's just, you know, Brett does like his athletes racing a lot, and yeah. you do seem to see Caroline's name popping up all the time. Well, I can't remember what races she's done this year. I don't think she did. Did she do Abu Dhabi? Maybe she did. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. she did. She did Abu Dhabi. But she did Abu Dhabi last year, and then she cranked this race. So, yeah. I mean, 
maybe she's just got something going on, an injury. I mean, a lot of these athletes, sometimes they have injuries and they don't tell anybody about them. I remember we, yep. we talked to her after her Kona race when she got uh, second, second when yep. we were over there. And, uh, and she said, yeah, I didn't tell anybody, but I was, I was pretty badly injured yeah. for that build-up. Um, Natasha Badman was in fourth, uh, not far off the pace there. Gina Crawford actually came through with quite a good run. She was well off the pace, um, and she came home in fifth in 8.37, and Amanda Stevens was uh, sixth in 8.39. Um, but on Meredith Kessler, she blew up on the run. She was um, yeah, she was having a pretty strong day there, but only ran a 3.29, so she dropped down quite a long way down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Pretty good racing. I mean, I know the guy, it was very good racing for second. It was quite a bit of chopping and changing there. You know, Natasha, uh, Yvonne Van Vleuken had to run through the field. Gina Crawford was mowing people down. Natasha Badman was fading a bit. Caroline Stephan was just going steady. So, um, yeah, good racing on the girls' side it's of things. A, it's a pure domination, but oh yeah, she wins by 16 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that is crushing. At a, at a race like this, yeah. you know, a good quality field. Yeah. And she's a judo champ, John, so I wouldn't mess with her. Yeah, no, she, that, that's Chrissy-like. Um, so another pom who is going no. to be... Uh, See, we can only beat you at the cricket nowadays. Yeah, cheapers. Imagine this. I mean, you've got Leander Cave, you've got Rachel Joyce, um, you've got her now, Corrine, and... Uh, and well, if you had Chrissy. And then there's probably another couple that I can't think of off the top of my head. This could be a domination in Kona. So where are the guys... Mm. No, they haven't got any good guys. Well, in short course, obviously. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the girls, because mm. at the moment it seems guys are Australian mm. and girls are the Poms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. But cricket's New Zealand. It is cricket. <laughs> We're coming after you guys. You South Africans as well. We'll have you in no time. <laughs> well, they just you, beat you us. You may have got us out for 45 <laughs> runs recently, but we're going to have you. We're coming back. Um, we did get an email through from... A guy called Ash Purcell, and he was basically just saying, giving big ups to um, Pete Jacobs. Pete Jacobs went along to the race, and he was at the finish line. He said he was there for like four, three or four hours, just handling out medals, just really being there for the athletes, and you know, really, really cool stuff. And he just said that it was really cool to have you know the world champion. A lot of these guys didn't know who was going to be there. Come across the finish line, then the, there's a the world champ giving you the medal. So he thought he was a pretty good guy, and he also said he had a, a bit of a chance to talk to Andrew Messick. And uh, he said, you know what? As much as we give WTC a bit, a bit of a hard time, the guy comes across as a pretty cool guy who genuinely cares about the athletes. So I don't really take Ash's opinion very seriously. Oh really? Because uh, he said, "P.S. John, sometimes Bevan has some good ideas too." Ha ha ha. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. At least once every three weeks. Yeah, Come on. Yeah. Last week's discussion was a good idea. Yeah. People will follow me on that one. <laughs> Um, the, no, they weren't. Uh, that's because you you misworded it, and we'll go no, to that in a minute. Excuses. That's all I'm hearing. Um, probably not the guy that we thought was going to win, that we thought could be a contender, but Aniko Lanos uh, took out the, the boys' race. When did Lanos win Texas? Was it last year or the year before? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, I think the year before. Yeah, he, ran, he did about eight hours flat. And that was when Texas was the, the American mm. big race. Yeah, there was a strong field there. I think Paul Amy was second, I think. They had he's, a really close race. The thing race. with Valanis is he's of this pedigree, isn't he? He's one of the guys who, you know, should we should always look at and think he can win this kind of race. Yeah, I, I guess he's had a couple of bad Konas, and as soon as somebody has a bad Kona, you think they're written off. You know, we'd say the same about Cameron Brown, you know, he's had crappy Konas, but then he pulls out of Melbourne, and I think we've got to remember, Kona is a different race, you know. Mm. It's, you've got to be, be able to excel in the heat, and you've got to be 100% on your A game. And, uh, and guys, when they go to Kona, they generally 
are going to risk it and go, I'm going for it. And, mm-hmm. and if they blow up, you think, oh, there has been, you know, you know they're, they're over. But Aniko is a consistent race. You know, he's won Germany. He's won this race. He's won, Texas when it was a good um, race. I think he won Abu Dhabi one year. He is a consistent performer. And he, yeah, his form dips, you know, from, from time to time. But that was a, um, it was a very solid performance. Oh, it's a, pr- it's a great performance, you know, one of the fastest swimmers of the day, mm-hmm. strong bike, and so then a two forty three run. It sounded like he was uh, struggling a bit on the bike. So basically, what happened on the on the ride was, uh, uh, I didn't actually see what happened at the start of the ride, but um, we expected Clayton Fatel to smash off the front. When I picked up the coverage, Marino van Holnacker had uh, had broken away on the second lap of the bike, and he put it out to a, to a five minute lead, and they, they, he looked like he was just motoring the coverage. They had the camera on him a lot, and. Uh, he just looked like he was humming. It was, uh, it was awesome to see. And um, and then so he had a five-minute lead off the bike, and you're thinking, well, if he runs well, um, yeah, he might be able to hang on. And, uh, and, and the 251 yeah, isn't bad. Yeah, no, he was he was really pleased with his race and all the coverage that I saw. Um, you know, he just said he, he blew up in the last three Ks. Um, he got passed by Nico at about, uh, it was about the 36K mark, and Nico Lanos was on fire at that stage. I was watching the coverage, and, uh, uh, and I was just coming and going, and I thought, geez, he looks fast. I wonder what time he's running, and he ran 2.43. Yeah. So um, he, he, he ran for, for a good chunk of the marathon with... Uh, with Craig Alexander, and it's really interesting to watch their different forms. You know, Craig Alexander is quite a quite a classical sort of runner, and Nico Lanos relies a lot on cadence. He's got a very low knee drive, um, yep. and, he, and he looks it's quite tight. Yeah, quite tight and uncomfortable, but. Geez, I mean, if I was tight and uncomfortable and could run a two forty three, I'd be pretty happy. Um, so, so across the board, really fast run times, and I'm interested to know um, from people that raced. It sounded like there was, I thought there was headwinds on the run, but these these times are very very quick. Um, so I wonder if that's a reflection of is it short? Short whether whether there was more tailwind than than headwind, um, and also um, I think probably the bike ride over there takes a lesser toll on your body than, than some races because you're on such a smooth fast surface. Yeah. Um, so Nicolanis's splits, he he rode a four twenty eight versus Van Holnacker's four twenty two, uh, and he ran a two forty three for a seven thirty six. So let's say you add twenty five minutes onto that, and he would have been around that eight hour mark. Um, so in those conditions, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty great then. Um, Craig Alexander coming at third. So in the in the post race report, Nicolana said he was running with Craig, expecting Craig to blow away from him, and eventually he kind of he dropped Craig, and he was a bit surprised by it all. Mm, Craig still ran two forty six, and yeah. um, let's be honest, he had a, he had a baby earlier in the week, so. Yeah. Probably didn't, didn't quite have his A mental game. He would have been really nice and strong and fit, but um, Not that when, top, when, top. yeah, when push comes to shove and you need that last couple of percent to just go to that really deep dark place, you kind of wonder if he would have been in the right space. I know from my experience having kids, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what would have been going through his mind in that race, but he bloody, yeah, it's pretty awesome performance. Jordan Rapp comes in fourth. Yeah, and, and then probably a surprise to me is Chris Lee. I don't know when he lasted nine man race. He mainly does um, 70.3s. I wonder how old he is. Cause he's he, 30, no, he's 41. 41, that is, yeah. yeah, that's about what I thought. Because he, like back about 97 or something was when he had his, um, 
explosion in Kona and his appendix taken out and just about died. So um, that was probably an impressive one. And, and then the other one for me was Peter Vabrusic, um yeah, pretty impressive there. Top 10. Yeah, 801, came home in a 253. You know, again, add on 25, 30 minutes, um, an 825, 830. That's a pretty solid day for him. Um, Clay- Tom Lowe didn't quite make the top 10. Yeah, and, and, and also Clayton Fertel, um, who a lot of people thought was going to smash the bike to pieces. Um, but he really didn't, did he? Just, well, he had yeah, a good, like a good ride, but not. Yeah, and it, until, again, 310. And as I said last week, if you can't run sub three hours, um, you know, not, he's, he's still an outstanding athlete, but unless you can run sub three hours, um, you're not going to do anything amazing in Ironmans uh, unless you have a 25-minute lead off the bike. Um, so, yeah, it sounded like um, pretty solid racing. First age group, by the look of it, was uh, Olaf Carsten from, from Hong Kong, by the, by the look of it. That's work. And uh, 8.13, Barry Lynch was uh, looked like he was second. I think he was in the 40s, Barry Lynch. Good old Bezza. 8.14. So we, if you go to Training Peaks and you go to trainingpeaks.com and slash Melbourne, they've actually got a bit of um, the power reports on a few of the top athletes. Yeah, so what you can do here, guys, is you, is you, um, I've got Clayton Fatale, Meredith Kessler, Tanil Hoogland, and uh, and also Jordan Rapp. And uh, they basically just got a little summary about what, what they thought of their, their ride and, and some of the highlights that they picked out from them. They've then got a, a little JPEG image and, uh, and, and, and just... A, a, bit, a bit of a caption on that and then you can vo- view the full activity by, by clicking on um, view full activities funnily enough a <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of things that surprised me here both in Jordan Rapp and also Meredith Kessler was how low their cadence was um, Jordan Rapp's cadence average and, and he's he, he knows what he's doing that guy's a, there's a ticky yeah, ticky right dude it, um, I'm just pulling up his file now here so he wrote a 4.33 uh, distance 110 Point nine miles, one hundred and twelve miles, yes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So bike short, times are irrelevant. <laughs> Maybe cut some corners. Cut some. Um, but his cadence is just taking a wild load here. I think it was around about seventy. Here we go. Uh, cadence. Was, Meredith was seventy four. Yeah, and, and Jordan's was seventy seven. So that really is on on the low side. So I'd be interested to to talk to those guys around. Um, yeah, why perhaps why they have a, a low cadence? We also see with Caroline Stephan, she has a low cadence. So. Um, it's it's really interesting to see uh, where some of these guys put their their surges in. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Rapp, you know, rode quite a bit, quite hard uh, early First in the ride to, to yeah. sort of catch up. Um, Clayton Fatale rode extremely hard. Um, while he was in the lead for the first sort of 40 minutes of the race. Meredith Kessler, you know, you could look at, sometimes you've got to look at these things with a grain of salt. You know, she um, she faded badly. You might say, oh, did she did she bike too hard? You know, her, her power to weight ratio was quite hard. But then again, you say, well, she did Taupo, you know, six weeks ago. Maybe that she she did ride correctly, but just didn't have the juice in her legs from that. So ch- so check that out, um, trainingpeaks.com slash Melbourne, and we, we'll probably have uh, Dirk Freel on in the next week or so, and they can go over some of these um, details in a bit more uh, in a bit more detail. But check it out, trainingpeaks.com slash Melbourne. Well, I think the nice thing about it is if you if you are someone who uses power, you have a better understanding of how to use these tools nowadays, and so then you can kind of see. You know what these top athletes, re- how they really work, and, mm. and you know have that understanding of looking at them, going, "Wow, look at the wattage they've been able to maintain for such a long period of time." Like it's pretty impressive stuff. And you can also check out more my power files at Coach John Project Twenty Fourteen. And see another legendary athlete just pushing out massive yeah. wattage. What do you say? What's your wattage? Uh, well, my, my depending on the right d- d- based off current fitness, you know my. Um, my Ironman wattage is probably around about the two fifteen watts. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of looking at about three. 
uh, yeah, power to weight ratio of three, where some of these guys, you know, Meredith Kessler was um, up around four. I'm not sure what um, some nice. of the other guys were. Um, so here we go. Who's that there? That's uh, Jordan Rapp. He was at 3.5 watts per kg. Um, so, yeah, check, check out my stuff for some amazing age group sort of uh, age, age group. You're not an age grouper. No, I'm a, a, an upper end age grouper. No, you're a top, top end age grouper. You've put top the bed out there that you're going to be end. the top age grouper at Ironman New Zealand. Yeah, it's just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who's going to do 13 hours, they're an age grouper. Yeah. yeah. Got to give uh, Cam Hansen, who's contributed to the show once or twice, a plug. Uh, looked like he qualified for Kona in his first, uh, first race. Also, Craig Kirkwood was on there, saw his Facebook post. He's saying he thinks Taupo's got the business on, on really? Ironman Melbourne. Didn't, Why? Uh, he, said that, he said they were serving up pies at the flipping awards, oh, really? awards ceremony. He wasn't happy about the pies. And, uh, and uh, another feedback I think pe- people need to consider when they're doing, say, a Melbourne-type course is it's going it's a point-to-point, and so that's a, quite a different vibe in terms of, uh, yep. you know, if, if you're doing it with spectators. If you're one of those people, a bit like me, it's just... You're in the zone. Um, it doesn't. I couldn't give a crap what sort of course I have. You're just in the zone. But if you want something multi-lap, you know, consistent feedback from spectators and what have you, then um, I wonder what the spectators were like. If you did the race, go on our Facebook page and just put on, you know, what the spectators were like in Melbourne. I'd be interested to see if it actually gets much of a following, mm. you know, during the race, or is it just lots of people on a bike? Um, if you want to go, to, you want to talk about Torsten? Uh, he hasn't got an analysis oh, out there okay. yet, but he will have soon. Okay, then. Um, other news, hits, um, results from the weekend, John? Yep, I pulled those up, and uh, they had uh, hits Ocala in Florida. Uh, Brian Foltz took it out in uh, 9.34 from Josh West in 9.54, and Mark Swart in 10.17. Nice. On the girls' side of things, Jenny Abrecht took it out in 11.08 from Deborah Daly in 11.30, and... Barbara Pleasing in 11.49. That's about all we know about that race, but just another part of the hit series. You know, they had about 50-odd um, you know, odd people doing the full, but it's obviously a whole festival event, so they have quite yep. a lot through the weekend. But if you're looking for a good uh, good little hit out, go check out the hits races. John? Bevan. You want to be an ITU athlete now, don't you? I do. I mean, I'm... They keep lifting the bar in terms of their prize money. And really and, lifting the bar this year, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, I think some of this is, is yeah. So ITU have announced record prize money for 2013 season. So they've upped, they've upped it across the board. Um, but one thing they have removed, and so there may be just a redistribution of some of the funds, is uh, it seems, sounds like they've removed the, the bonus the bonus scheme or the preems on the on the bike and what have you. Oh, so um, there have been no bike preems at all? Yeah. Which is interesting because it made for some interesting racing well, out last it, year, didn't it? It did. And a couple of, they had a couple of breakaways, and if they got a minute uh, lead on the on the field, then uh, but did it lead to breakaways that actually influenced the race, or did it just lead to a guy getting away, collecting some money, and then coming back? Uh, as you said, generally, generally coming back. But that yeah. still makes and then those guys wouldn't win the race, but they might have still got mixed it up, mixed mixed it up a little bit. So I think they need to do some work in that area, and, and I haven't given a great deal of thought on uh, my master plan. Um, but I think the the preem system could work. But they're saying the total money prize pool for the, has increased by a hundred and eighty-two thousand, mm. with the bonus pool now up to seventy thousand, total of six hundred. Seventy thousand dollars, and and what I like about it is that they've got two point two million um, up. 
altogether. It, it's it's not they're, they're they're deepening the field as well. So yeah, you know, there's a, it yeah, yeah, and that's really important if you want to get good, strong, deep fields. Is is the top guys? Yeah, they've got to be getting a, a big chunk of the money. But often you see in Ironman races, it's very very top heavy, and unless you win or get second, you know, it's, it drops off pretty quickly. Well, they only paid eight, most of them. Yeah. So so now they're playing um, World Triathlon Series races is going to the top thirty finishes as opposed to the top twenty in the previous years. Um, and uh, and across the World Cups as well, which is a second tier down, it's also increasing, and um, and and that's yeah, it's just really healthy. Even if you know, for those guys who are finishing twenty to thirty, if they're getting a you know five hundred bucks to a thousand bucks, it makes a big difference um, to, to their well being. So um, good on you, ITU. The question is, John, who's paying for this? Well, they'd get a lot from TV coverage, and um, and the big thing I, I'd imagine the big thing that they get is they they would get a huge amount from the IOC in terms of Olympic um, Olympic funding, and and WTC will, will never never get that. So a bit like you know FIFA with the football and and the cricket, it, it, it all comes from sort of one place and it gets distributed to a lot of the poor poorer yep. countries. They're certainly not making. Um, well, I, I, I doubt very, very much that they make hardly any money on their events. So, for example, at Auckland, you know, you've got an age group race supporting the um, the event, but that won't that won't that, if, if that breaks even, they'll be lucky. So, so their money would I would imagine comes from TV, IOC, and a bit from sponsors, obviously. They don't have a big sponsor, do they? Uh, I don't believe they do at the moment. I don't think Dextro Energy is is a title sponsor anymore, but I could be wrong there. Another thing, and another thing, Tim Heming's been doing some work for us. Um, an innovative move, Hyperus, a US software engineering company, cannot compete with salaries from Silicon Valley. So it is building its base in Boulder and looking for triathletes to work there. Turning into a kind of lifestyle office environment, they are saving on the cost of recruitment fees and instead putting it towards training equipment. Perhaps they could even power up the place using bike wattage. Uh, <laughs> Meredith Kessler, apparently, according to Training Peaks, she her, her power was enough to run a, a, fan. Fan, a fan for a day. She's going to be doing a lot of wattage out on that bike. Um, good business model, staff taking four-hour lunch breaks, discuss. So, John, your thoughts? Yeah, and, and so their website is endurancecrew.highbreast.com. My thoughts would be great. I'd love, If I was in there, I'd love to move to Boulder and, uh, and train and work. Well, I think the thing is, is we are a pretty intelligent bunch of people, aren't we? Oh, yeah. As triathletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andreas Raylu apparently is racing um, Austria um, later in the season, and that could be another record-setting day. I love this. I'm at this, I'm at this website right now. Okay, I'll talk about that in a second, but we're at this website, and they, you know, they're going, oh, you know, work, lifestyle, balance. And I've got a picture of the workplace where basically it looks like you're just training all day and a bit of work up top, and it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a lie. You end up working eight hours a day and going, oh, it's, oh I feel guilty. I can get on that bike. So, anyway, um, uh, what's happening? Raylert. Raylert's racing, uh, ra- racing Austria. Could be a fast day. Well, it could be, but it comes at a, it comes at a risk if you go super fast at that time of year. Exactly. Well, he is pretty consistent. He has pretty good kind. It just hasn't won a year. I think this is his year. Do you? Yep. Okay. He's guy He's got to win it. But he doesn't have to. Yeah, no, he, he does. Yeah. He has to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. He does. He's my pick this year. He is. Okay. He's just. He's just. It's hard. He's just always been there or thereabouts in Kona, hasn't he? Well, I don't think that you get too much disagreement that he is the fastest athlete in the world right outside now. of Kona. Yep. So chucking the Kona conditions makes it a little bit harder. But yep, no, I think he's a good, good, good back. Yep. Did Doesn't you put money on him? I uh, haven't given any thought yet. I don't know. Yeah, I have to be strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Put your money on him, John. 
Okay, sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes, what about your club, John? Yeah, one thing that has not really taken off here, and it's not something I don't think Athlinks have pushed very hard, but I think it's an awesome feature, um, is if, if you've got a club and you get enough people that, to join up to Athlinks um, in there, it basically just extracts all the... Um, results from a particular race so for example I'm just on there now and I've clicked on clubs and uh, say I go to the Plateau River Triathlon Club um, oops I don't want to see I don't whoop, I don't want to follow them I want to uh, just click on them you want to be nosy don't you yeah and basically what they'll do that will pull up the, the races that athletes who have joined into that Plateau River Triathlon Club on Athlinks and it will tell you which athletes did the race and uh, and what their results were so great way just to the data is extracted you can use it for your newsletters and, and all that sort of stuff um, and so when I'm on the Canterbury if I do Canterbury Triathlon Club which is our club um, again people haven't really jumped on this but we've got Zania Morrison and we've got um, Bryant Hardy and so that's pulled their data from uh, from Ironman New Zealand so it's just a, a, if you can encourage your club members to get on it and actually stay on top of it um, you know you can have you know I don't know prizes for your for your club members who um who go, who go to races and it just extracts the data. You can use it for your newsletters and um, just a, another way. You know you've got your rivals. You can configure in here for the guys that you race regularly. They may not be in your club, but if you've got a, if, if you've got a small club or a racing team and uh, you can really push all of you guys to be on there, it can be a great little way where you can easily extract all the data from the races. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a good little way to have a look at what's happening in the races, who's doing well, those rivalries within your club. Because mm. let's be honest, there's always that person. In your club who you pretend you like but you just want to smash oh, all the time you know yeah. and uh, so just saying so, athlinks.com so check it out go to athlinks.com across, across the top there you've got a um, bunch of buttons or, or not quite across the top but below the red bit and it's got our uh, clubs on there and you can add your club if you're not already there and then it's a case of getting your members to, to join into that and then it's a case of uh, making sure that people stay on top of their results so including it on your monthly newsletters or whatever and so keep your, up, your results update and and then um, they can all get a bit of love and a bit of coverage. Rock and roll. Just one thing, guys, um, athletes.com. But one thing before we do a discussion of the week, remember the Try Gear is now on SLS Try. So just because yeah. it's next to our Facebook page and it's looking awesome. So if you want to get some of that, go to SLS Try under Triathlon Man or Triathlon Woman and you'll be able to get some of cool I'm Talk gear. Yes. Okay, John. So last week we were on the show, we, having a, we had a disagreement. Yep. And you said, if we, what, was, what was the question I wrote? John and Bevan had a disagreement on the show this week. If there was a, a Ironman race where there were no pros or no Kona slots, do you feel that the race would be different? Would it be less serious or pretty much the same as any other Ironman race? I didn't mention anything about pros. I didn't mention anything about Kona slots. Oh, no, you did say pros. No, I did not. Well, no, maybe I did. Maybe yes. I didn't. We'll have yes. to go back. I'll concede that maybe I could have worded it slightly yeah. different. Well, my, my question was, you take the top, and people jump on this before they listen to the show. Um, no, you take, they all listen. You take the top 10 out of each age group, um, would it be a different feel? And I'm right. Well, what? Because you think you're God? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, Bevan. <laughs> of course. God would know. So, the, um, so there are a few bright people out there. Gents, do Holston. bright people. Well, after hearing the podcast, well done. You listen to the podcast. I have to agree with John. No. I love the vibe and transition area in the morning, the concentration and the tension in the air, the nice um, bikes, and wish for a peak performance. So if the race is without competition, it would not be the same. Dan McCormick saying, I reckon it's the same thing. But it might hurt, pay 500 quid to do it. Nemo Helen Broch. Um, sure, it would feel different, but different doesn't mean worse or better. Just different. I'm, I'm hearing you. No. For me, Ironman is all about taking part in the experience. If I see a pro, they probably overtake me anyway. That's Kevin Murray. Uh, Thomas Peoples, it would be way different, I should imagine. 
That's the only written ones you like. No, I'm not. I'm just randomly oh. reading out ones. <laughs> You're full of crap. <laughs> Dave Hayward, since the vast majority of participants are age groupers with little or no hope of qualifying for Kona and who will finish long after the pros have gone home, I don't think it would be that much of a big difference to the race. In fact, one of the reasons I choose not to compete in St. George 70.3, only three hours from my home this year, is because the pro field is so stacked. I don't want to be in the back of the pack when all those pros run. Instead, I'm going to volunteer so I can see them race and hand out some water to them at the aid station or something. My first 73.3 was Munch, Indiana. Muncie. Muncie. Uh, not a lot of money or qualifying slots there. Leander Cave was there, but it was before 2012, so we didn't know how cool it was to be running with her. So. Mm. Um, Russell Cox, Thomas Peoples got Russell Cox to actually go and do a bit of uh, research on Russell this. Russell Cox is growing his hair out. Mm-hmm. You see that? He's, looking, yeah. he's got the kind of cool, kind of casual, hippie looking happening. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he was always kind of no hair. He had a mohawk at one stage as well. Did he? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so cool. He ran some numbers from the t- 2012 WTC Ironman season, and removing the top 10% from each age group gives an average overall race winner time of ni- 9.46. Alternatively, if you specifically remove the top 10 from each age group, you get an average winner's time of... So just delivered. Elsewhere, so uh, go check it out at train trainstravels.co.uk, and he's uh, he's done some research on there. If you want to go into this topic in a bit he more detail, the stuff, he? removing people the, the top ten and how that's going to influence the race. I did also see a post that he was putting up there around Melbourne and and trying to guesstimate what would have happened if the the, the swim had been the same distance or whatever. Yep. So um, check that out on Russell's website, trains travels.co.uk Will Cannon would be interesting from a promotional standpoint who would be the winner would it be a bit harder to generate buzz for the event I'd like to see less Ironmans with pros but having those races with more points and more uh, of the deeper prize money so so I think on this one we're just going to have to agree to disagree I'm right and you'll just have to go well Well, when you agree to disagree you don't then say I'm right (laughs) okay let's just get this right Okay, but I, uh, I, I someone brought up the point that if you take away the top ten, the next people just think they're top ten anyway. So it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I, so I, we'll I agree. It's still going to be competitive. I just felt that you take away those uber competitive people. It's, no, not, I think, it's not really going to. I think you're f- trying, trying to say take away the people who are uber obsessed about triathlon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they aren't always the top ten. Yeah. Like I wasn't uber obsessed about triathlon, and I did in the top ten. Yeah. I won my age group, John. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, well, and, 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 and then what, what sort the of started my, my the discussion around this is, is really the setup that they've got in Australia now, how you've got different races. And and, uh, how, and I heard there was um, there was quite a bit of, there was a bit of aggro and stuff in, in Melbourne and stuff with guys being a bit too aggressive and, and over-pumped. Um, and, and, what, in the race? Yeah. Um, and just, but but just, I, don't, I don't think that's the top 10. Hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think there's a class of triathlete who just is... Full on, yeah, and and uh, takes it to a serious level that other people don't, and you know what? That's that's cool as well because we're all different. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's often the twelve-hour guy as well. So, Aussies, back back me up a bit here. <laughs> if, if you've done, say, uh, Melbourne, and maybe you've done Port Macquarie or Cairns, um, is there a difference there? Because that's where I see there being a real difference. Is those races like a, a Port Macquarie's got a lot less spots and it's got basically no. John, you, you, you've kind of proven that I'm right. Sorry? No, I'm not. With this week's Tom, question. Thomas, Helen, and... Um, no, but with this week's yes. question, what was this week's question? Uh, okay, this week's question. <laughs> Here we go. Prove I'm right. Uh, hold on, let me just pull it up. This week's question. Uh, is proving you right. We'll just tell you the question. Okay, so th- this comes in light of um, P- 
people dying in races quite regularly and dying in the swim. Should you have to do a 70.3 to prove your fitness and qualify for an iron distance race? So it's not, you've got to, don't have to meet a speed or, or a particular place or anything like that, but you have to do a 70.3 to sort of show that you've got the fitness to be able to get through the race and, you know, Basically, get through a half the distance and prove that you can actually do the swim. But by that, does that eliminate a lot of the people who would only want to do one triathlon being an Ironman? And the experience is, you know, just the potentially light, fun experience. Yeah, potentially. So more of those hardcore people would be there. Mm, don't I don't agree. <laughs> no, I'm I'm trying to get away from these. I know oh, you're saying. Like pe- I don't know. I'm just being. I'm being. You're being I'm, a you're cop. trying to say. You're being oh, a hey, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I would say is, that I can see where you come from. It's a safety thing. Yeah, and so you in, in Australia, you, you, you used to have to qualify for. Uh, you used to have to qualify for for Ironman by by half. half. And I'm not saying you got to qualify. You don't have to be super speedy or anything like that. There's nothing to do with speed. It's more to show. I can swim 1.9 k's and not die. And I know that some of these people dying, it's just one of those things. But I'm, it sounds like in some instances, the people are just so grossly underprepared that um, they, they die through, through shock. Um, so I'm just wondering if people think it's a good idea that you have to do a 70.3 before you do an iron distance race. Okay. Save your comments till next week, Bevan. I can see it's just bubbling away. He wants to just spit out his answer. I do, John, but I'm containing myself because I'm good like that. that. Okay, let's put some music on. We've got the age group of the week. Here we go. Here we go, music. Age group of the week. Okay, John Bo, so who we got here? It's good old Kevin Cody, who is the Blue 70 wetsuit aquathon runner up in 2013. And he's a coach as well. Coach mm-hmm. Kevin, we call him. Cool. I'd like to nominate an athlete I coach, see? Mm-hmm. He's coach. Mm-hmm. Rob Gray for Age Group of the Week. Uh, despite working long hours as an employee at Google, those Google shares, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's be honest about this. <laughs> and uh, having a family, Rob is, is the most disciplined, hardest working athlete in our team. He's famous on our team for escapades such as biking 3.5 hours, at, starting at 4 a.m. in the cold and rain, and getting out to run at 8 a.m. Uh, running race or riding four hours on the trainer at night when he gets home from work. Rob puts a massive hours of training for um, Ironman Coeur d'Alene this year, aiming for a Kona slot. Then he was hit by a car when he was on the bike a few weeks out from the race. He broke his ribs and was barely able to run or swim for a month before the race. He went on to compete Ironman Coeur d'Alene and did a personal best of 10.05 with broken ribs. He had to swim wide around everyone else to avoid being a shot in the ribs. Rob healed up and decided to sign up for Ironman Cozumel and chase the Kona slot. He managed to get even fitter and stronger than what he was at Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Then he got a stomach virus the day before the race. Oh man, this guy's just not in much luck. He still managed to finish the swim and bike despite not being able to keep down any food during the race. The long season was started, starting to wear him down, but Rob doesn't know how to quit. He signed up for Ironman Los Cabos with one last chance to qualify. He trained like an animal and got even stronger it was a tough race in Cabo perfect for Rob because he's a hard ass John that's what that's he is right. he overcame a slow swim with a blazing bike I mean a blazing bike I should say riding got second in the 35 to 39 age group and finally qualified for Kona for his persistence and discipline I recommend Rob Gray for age group of the week and I recommend him too John nice work Rob Gray that's pretty awesome isn't good, it because good age, one thing was that good age group to be in it's a tough age group to be yeah, in isn't it yeah well if he goes there next year John yeah 
I'm coming to get you, Rob. Well, you're going to be taking on... He's just an age group, Rob, don't worry. He's just an age group. <laughs> just an average. Just an average age group. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is impressive. It's persistence for you. Three. Well, because I think the thing is, if you've got a guy like Rob who, you know, like, let's be honest, you're working for a company like Google, you're working. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not kind of fluffing around. So he obviously sacrifices a lot to try to achieve this goal. And when, when someone's like that in that situation, they're often going to go, okay, I get one chance this year to really try to qualify for this race. So you, you go along, you break your ribs, you say, oh, mm. bugger, you know. So then you go, okay, we'll do it again. And you're going into race week and you're feeling fit and you're feeling good. Get a virus the day before the race. And then to, to commit the third time to really chase that goal and to get it, and it's pretty a, impressive. And it's a difficult build because you go in quarter lane, which is June, Cozumel, I think that's sort of November-ish, and then Los Cabos is March. So you, you're probably you season, going you? build to build to build, so you're not really getting a break there. But I think the big advantage he's going to have now is Los Cabos' is a very early season race. It's qualified. Oh, footsie's under, <laughs> footsie's <laughs> footsie's under the table. table. <laughs> uh, I'm getting all excited now. Um, <laughs> now he's qualified, and, and obviously going into North American season, he can have a little... Rob, you should be taking a little bit of time to chill out then you've got a massive big build up to Kona. You are going to be on fire in Kona. Yeah. When do you reckon it's the best time of the year to qualify for Kona? November. He would have been best to qualify in Cozumel if you hadn't got your silly stomach virus. And you reckon got, if you've got a year out? Then yeah, you then can, you've got a whole season to build for it. It's perfect. You can spend winter working on a weakness. So you'd almost say the August races, September races, where you don't qualify for this year. Mm. It's almost like the best time to qualify for Kona. Yeah, definitely. So, mm. Rob Gray, nice work. You're our age group of the week. And I must say, Kevin Cody... He's got a great email signature. Right. Age group of the week, 2007. Blue 70 to Equathon runner-up, 2013. Oh, his age group of the week, 2007. Yeah, Goodness, he's got, that was a I don't know if ago. he always keeps that as his, his email signature, but I think if you ever want age group of the week, that's what you should be in your email signature. And people won't know what it is, but you'll know. And other people in the Ironman world, really, because everyone Ironman listens to our show, they'll know what that means. And they'll go, wow, this guy's a legend. I wonder if... Uh, yeah, it's because... So, for example, Rob Gray, on your Google... In your Google Signature, yeah, yeah. Just have A W O A G O W, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, and people at Google, what's that? You go, it's the next big company. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's just sponsor slstry.com. John, do you really want to do that right now? Yeah, we've got a couple of minutes. Have we? Yeah, we've got to do two minutes. Okay. Yep. Um, so, well, I just told them about the gear, didn't I? You did. So you got the two. The, we've now got not only the tri suit, we've got the two piece I am talk gear at slstry.com. It's cool, man. Yes. Yeah, have so. we ordered some? Sorry? Have we well, you're not doing a great deal of racing, Bevan. Hey, I've raced once this year. So would you, if 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 we got you a... Uh, wait, wait, have you got one? I've got a tri-suit. Have you got the new gear? No, it was the same as, same as what we had last year. I haven't, I haven't like, got a two-piece. I wear this to the gym. Sorry? I wear it to the gym. You wear a tri-suit in the gym. Yeah, I pretty much do anyway. Okay, we'll get you a tri- uh, top Yeah, because you wear pants and... and yeah. When you teach, well, we teach spin classes. Okay. But you wouldn't wear a tri-suit, a one-piece. You get me one, I'll wear it. Okay. <laughs> John, I've done worse things than that. Okay. Come on. I, I, when I first started in aerobics, I wore suckies all the time when I taught aerobics. There you go. Multi-use. Not only can you use them for your training, if you've got a partner that goes to the gym, um, give them, get them, give them a two-piece or a tri-suit. Tell you, it's a Christmas present. Yeah. Spin classes? Yeah, well, people do really kind of get to the gym. Okay. Yep. Maybe not the whole tri-suit, but I reckon they'd be legendary. I said to Phil when we went to his 10K running race the other day. Did you have one? No, the one I did a while ago said, I'd look like a right dork here if I turned up in a tri-suit when I had a running race. <laughs> I dare you to do it. Oh, dear, not, dear is not accepted. <laughs> that ain't happening. Um, 
other other news from SLS Try. Um, obviously, you might remember promo code I am Talk. Can't use it for the for the Try suit because that's already been discounted down to 150 bucks. Um, and but if you're getting anything else from SLS Try, use the code I am Talk. So if you're getting um, yeah, want to get some some socks or some compression gear, um, also check out their sales page. But it must be good, John. Do you know why? Why, Bevan? The Baylisters are on board. Yes. It, it rhymes, isn't it? Baylisters are on board. The Baylisters are Stephen and Bella Baylis, a legendary iron couple, are now on board um, with SLS Try, and uh, they wouldn't be using it if it's all good stuff. Bella loves her bloody compression socks. She'll be wearing some of those pink ones. So, girls, if you want to get a nice fancy pair of pink socks, uh, they've got some pink ones, some blue ones, um, check it out. It's at SLS Try. They've got pink ones with like, pretty pictures on them, John. Yeah, little, 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 you know, little flowers on them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wear them, them to the gym oh. on a regular basis? John, I would. On a regular basis. I'm here for the people. Not one off dress ups, regular. Regular, John. Yeah. You've, you've really haven't seen half of what I want to a gym. It ain't flash. So check it out, slstry.com, and remember to use code IMTALK. So, Jumbo, I think it's time we get DC Rainmaker on the show. It's going to rain down on us. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was just I was looking at something else. Somebody, what were you looking at? Oh, somebody said I was interested. He always reads emails on the show. No, I didn't. I was looking at the show notes. So I was thinking ahead. I was interested to see how a couple of the guys, um, Chris Kemp. I was interested to see how he did at um, Melbourne. Did he race Melbourne? Melbourne? Well, his name was down there to, to start, and you put it in the show notes. Um, no, the show notes is a video he made. It's quite funny. Okay, and then there was uh, another guy, Tim. Tim, 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 someone. No, it wasn't Tim Burkle. It was a Tim, someone who um, yeah, I'm interested to see how he did as well. The tall man. Don't know. Cam Brown DNF'd. What happened with Cam? He was never going to do anything after Taupo. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Too close. Too close? Yeah. Mm. Right, Bevan. No, uh, so we've got uh, DC Rainmaker. Awesome stuff. Talking about gadgets and uh, lots of power stuff. And seriously, GP guys, stuff. If, you, if you want to geek out, go to his website. He's, he's the leader of the pack, really, isn't he? Mm. He really is. So here's DC Rainmaker. Okay, we're very happy to have um, the man behind prob- probably, well, I'd say, one of the most popular. I think it would be the most popular tech Geek website, you know, like as in text, you know, yeah, I'm saying it, we're claiming it, Ray, we're claiming, we're claiming it. it. So, Raymaker <laughs> okay. from uh, dcrainmaker.com, welcome back to the show, Ray. Uh, thanks, it's great to be back on again. And before we start, you've uh, been a few changes in your life, you've, you've moved to Paris, but probably almost more importantly, when I went onto your website the other day, you've been down in New Zealand. Yeah, absolutely, I was just down there uh, last week, week before, I think. Um, yep, down there in Australia for uh, about two weeks, just for a work trip. Uh, only New Zealand was only about a day, though. I think twenty-three hours, unfortunately. But uh, I got a nice sunny day, so I was happy about that. So, yeah. so why the move to Paris? Uh, relocation for work. So I was given the opportunity to come over to um, really anywhere I wanted to live in in Europe or Africa or the Middle East, and so I ended up choosing Paris. It's got a a big airport close by, and I can I can get around pretty easily that way. Wow. And, and we had a question from one of our listeners. Uh, what is your your favorite cupcake? Your, your wife started up a cupcake business. Yeah, she did. She started a, a small cupcake shop. Uh, back in October actually here and so it's a whole storefront and everything and uh, so definitely for me the salted caramel it's uh, like a chocolate <laughs> cupcake base and then uh, salted caramel drizzled on top and stuff and it's it's hard to decline that do you, do you have to you, you know, my mum always worked in bakeries so she'd always bring over the leftover foods does your wife do that? Um, she does. We've gotten better about not bringing so cupcakes <laughs> into the house because I think we noticed over the winter that may not have been such a good thing. Um, but uh, I, I was really good actually last week. I didn't have a single cupcake until 
I think Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I finally had the first one of the week. Right, we're proud um, of you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, other, otherwise, the winter, it's been like one or two a day. I go visit her at lunch or something, and I get a cupcake. And then she brings home a cupcake sometimes, and it's not good after a while. It's a lot of cupcakes. Exactly. Hey, so we, we had you on about this time last year, and we kind of thought we need to get you back on because we kind of thought we need to probably maybe make it a bit of an annual thing with you because you're so great at this topic, and uh, people love hearing about the tech side of the sport. So, um, you know, we got you on today, and, and you've got some questions, John. Yeah, so... I guess um, when I was scanning through your website, there was one picture that had you set up on your your wind trainer, and you had about five or six different gadgets, and you had a homemade um, stand or something that you had. I think maybe for for an iPad. So I was wondering if you could firstly maybe just share some of your opinions about um, you know, your indoor trainer setup for for riding, and um, and and what you think is possibly the best setup. And then also maybe for, for the people that, say, don't have a power meter at the moment um, who are on a really low budget, maybe some advice around what tools um, they might be able to use. Yep, no, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm always uh, – lots of trainers coming in out of the house all the time to, to test. Um, you know, I've, I've bought a couple of compu trainers in the past, and I've bought uh, like a kinetic um, – uh, road machine and then uh, a few other ones here and there but a lot of them just come through for you know a couple months for me to test out um, and so I finished up with some of the Cyclops ones recently and um, let's see one of the TechX ones the Genius um, and, and a few others and of course the Wahoo Kicker as well um, and that's what I've been using lately right now um, I pushed out the review a couple weeks ago but I'm still using it for right now and then I'll send it back here uh, probably about two weeks when I head over to the states and then I'll I'll buy it back um, so Outside of that, I've, as I said, you know, I've got a lot of um, devices that I'll, I'll do testing on trainers with, as far as um, power meter collection and things like that. So as you saw, I think the picture of, you know, five or more different head units all yeah. collecting data at once, um, and it's it's a very tedious thing collecting power meter data. Um, I think it's it's the one thing I've learned over the last year or two, and especially in the last six months, is just how tedious it is to to even attempt to get it right. Um, there's just so many variables that are involved there. Um, so I end up testing, you know, if I've got three or four power meters on the bike concurrently, I'll probably have double that number of head units um, just in case things go wrong with head units and things like that. If The more more often than not, it's usually a head unit that something goes wrong with that I lose the data. So I've learned to just simply have double what I need and, and it usually works out. Cool. When you're in that situation where you've got like all going at once, is there much variance between, you know, what what the readings you're getting from different devices? Um, it can be the the goal is that it's not, um, but I think even more important than that is understanding the situations that they are different because um, even every power meter reacts in different ways. You know, some power meters um, have areas that they they excel in, other power meters have areas that they they struggle in. Um, but every power meter has those areas. There's there's no perfect power meter out there, and and people like to say that there is and there really isn't i think you know people like to point to for example the srm and say it's the perfect power meter it's a gold standard and and in some cases that may be true but you know i've seen just as much bad data from an srm as i have from a power tap or a quark or anybody else in the market there are certainly cases where every power meter struggles um so I wouldn't say there's there's a, a right or a wrong answer there. Um, from my standpoint in, in testing data, I'm looking more at consistency than anything else. I'm looking mm-hmm. that um, the numbers are are all going up at the same rate and down at the same rate, um, and then they're staying equivalent to each other over the course of a ride, as opposed to being you know one that's that's really high when you're at high wattages, but it's closer when you're at low wattages. That's that's more of a problem. Mm-hmm. In terms and then of- I also look a lot at cadence as well, and that that's another area that you know power meters 
when they have issues, it tends to be around different cadence ranges. So power meters that may work really well at that typical range of, say, 80 to 100 RPM, um, but then struggle when they get above or below those ranges. For, for the guys that don't have power meters at the moment, are there any solutions? You know, there's, there's various different websites at the moment that are you know, doing estimated power and things yep. like that. Is that something you've looked into and, and can you share any yeah. websites that you think might be worthwhile for people? Yep. So um, there's a couple different ones out there. As you know, there's uh, Trainer Road does it, um, Perf Pro does it, for example. Um, I, I like the Trainer Road solution. Um, they've got a ton of trainers in their database, 200 plus trainers in their database um, that you can use where you just you take your bike, you take a, uh, a Garmin um, Amp Plus stick that costs you know 20 bucks or so, and then uh, a standard Amp Plus um, speed and cadence sensor that's you know, about $30. Um, and at that point, that'll transmit the data to Trainer Road, and then I'll go ahead and I'll make an estimated power curve. Um, in my testing, that power curve um, is consistent. It may not be spot on accurate, so you may have a case where um, it's reading, say, 20 watts high or low about, uh, over a, a traditional power meter, um, but it's consistently that, that 20 watts or a given percentage higher or low. Um, so from a you know, a person that may be on a budget, it's a great tool to be able to go ahead and understand what their power is and then train by power, at least indoors on a trainer. Hmm. Another budget area that we get questions on is um, is around when people are out on their, probably more so with their running, when they're out running and they they use their iPhone or some sort of Nike device or some a very very cheap option for their for their GPSs. What what sort of the pros and cons of, of using you know an iPhone or a cheap product versus say say a Garmin when you're out when you're out running in terms of the accuracy of the data. Yeah, so what we generally see is that the the phone products um, have have more struggles around accuracy in terms of uh, distance and, and pace and things like that. Um, and that's just a, the nature of most of the, the GPS um, chipsets used in those products today. And also some of the operating systems in the phone um, will attempt to attach to wireless access points, which in turn they'll use, it's called GPSA, um, to go ahead and understand uh, additional geolocation data on that. When that happens, then you tend to get these jumps in, in distance and and uh, and pace and whatnot, um, but that said, they're not that bad. I've been you know using them um, on a lot of runs just as as kind of additional uh, data loggers and things like that. And and for the most part, they're stable. I do tend to see a higher number of errors within cell phone loggers than I would within a traditional GPS device. Um, but it's a it's a good mix. And it's funny. I was in Singapore back a few months ago. Um, I did a a short. I think it was a 10k race there um, just for fun. And it was astounding how many people had phones compared to mm-hmm traditional GPS watches while running. You know, in the States, it would have been kind of inverted. Um, whereas mm. in Singapore, almost every single person was running with a, an iPhone on their, on their you know, um, arm or something like that. And only a handful of folks actually had GPS watches. Hmm. Um, back to power meters. Um, we had a number of questions on Facebook around um, power and what have you. And there's been there's obviously a few developments there. So we've obviously um, you know there's, we've got we've, we've probably discussed before your SRM versus your your, your Ergamo versus say your Quark and your Power to Max and, and the different areas where they pick up the power. But um, obviously now Polar came out with their their pedal based system, which doesn't sound um, to be particularly great in terms of the the information you can gather. But people are really keen to know. Um, uh, what you think around the, the around the vector and um, why it's taking so long to come to market and um, yeah just what what you know about the vector at this stage. Yep. Um, so 
to touch briefly on the polar and then we'll dive into the vector, um, the polar is interesting because the polar is, you know, a technically a, a solid product from a power meter standpoint, um, where it struggles is the head unit. So polar has a, a very, very limited head unit selection on the cycling side today. Um, and it's a head unit that brings that solution down um, and just doesn't make it competitive anymore, especially given the price point of that that unit itself. I think that we'll see that change over the next, you know, three to six months. Polar is committed to, to diving into um, Bluetooth smart um, and in turn, looking at the cycling side of that as well. So I think that'll help to, to open that platform up a little bit. Um, looking at, at Vector, um, you know, from from their standpoint, I've had a lot of <laughs> discussions with Garmin about Vector. Um, and obviously, it's it's a well-delayed product at this point. I think <laughs> it's realistically about a, a year and a half beyond where Garmin expected it to be, which is different than um, Metric Gear, which is a company that Garmin bought. Um, so, you know, Metric Gear had predictions um, around their availability, and, and those weren't met. And then Garmin came in and said, we're not going to announce any availability details until we figure this out. And they announced details and, of course, have subsequently missed those now for, for a while. Um, and in talking to the, the groups that that are working on that, that product right now, it's primarily a manufacturing issue. So it's understanding you know, why when they make um, 100 units, X number of those units work, and then Y number of those units don't work, and, and understanding that variability. So on a, on a per unit basis, they're able to um, attack, or they're able to get a um, successes and say this power meter works, and it works consistently, and, and it can be put on a person's bike, and there's no problems at all. But when they scale it up to production, they're finding variances. And if you compare that to something like what Polar did, um, Polar trickled it out into the marketplace, right? So Polar went ahead and said, um, we're going to build one power meter at a time, and we're going to slowly seed them out into the marketplace, and we're just going to take it one at a time. Versus Garmin, you know, my discussions with them, with one of their their vice president said very clearly, we're not going to build Vector until we can build a thousand at a time. Mm. Um, it just doesn't doesn't make sense for us. And so, you know, in talking to them, their their latest or their latest financial guidance right now is um, this summer mm. for Vector. Um, I think what you'll see is that you'll see it probably trickle out in late summer around Interbike, um, but I don't think you'll see any marketing around it or anything like that. I think you'll just it'll probably just end up on the store shelf one day. Mm. Um, soft launch. Very, very soft launch is kind of what I'm hearing. Do, do you know much about where, where they're going to be positioning in terms of price? Because oh, you know, I'm, I'm riding a, um, a Power to Max at the moment. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about that and also because you know, I think the price point's um, very good value for money. But the, the Vector, I think a lot of people are getting excited about that because of the, the price. Is it, is it going to be really cheap or you know, significantly cheaper than others? <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fifteen hundred bucks. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely in the the middle high range right now. So if mm. you look at something like Quark, um, Quark is Quark's actually gone up in price. So Quark's closer to almost two grand these days, um, whereas it used to be a little bit lower than that. Um, and obviously, this is above power to max, which is closer to a thousand roughly. Mm. Um, so it, it's kind of in that in that range. Um, where a lot of the power meters are coming to the market right now. It's not as high as um, the Polar at 2000 plus or the SRM or even the new Sony, um, sorry, the Pioneer system at 2500 um, at ish. Um, so it, it's kind of in that range. I think what we'll see is that they'll, they'll work on fulfilling orders, and I think over time we'll see that price drop within a, maybe 12 to 18 months. Right, you know, like, you know, the power meter is such a massive investment for a lot of people out there, and it's that one thing that we all kind of look at and we kind of go, well, you know, it's a lot of money, and, you know, nowadays we understand how to use it so well, so there's a big value in having it. But can you explain why power meters are so expensive, and do you see a time where, you know, like if you look at so the cameras recently, in you know, the last five years, the red camera came out and it really changed 
the field for digital cameras for high end where they pretty much were like 5% of the price of everything else. Do you ever think that's going to happen in the power meter world? I think so, absolutely. I think it's gonna it's gonna drop at some point. Um, the power meter, I don't I don't want to say the power meter market is becoming saturated because there's so much demand for a product at the right price point that um, I don't think saturation is an issue yet. Um, the power meter market is saturated at the higher price points, and and the reason that power meters in general are, are priced fairly high is the R and D cycle is so long and so tough. Yeah. Um, it's multi year to get it there, and um, you know it's interesting. There's actually a, a blog of a guy that um, is kind of doing a, a do it yourself power meter. Um, and it's a really fascinating blog to read uh, on a weekly basis. He's posting all the test results and, and everything, you know, very, very detailed results around how he's doing it, kind of an open source um, sort of way. Yep. And, you know, it, you'll see over time that what will likely hit for him is, is a point where um, he gets really close but not quite there. And that's where all these power meter companies struggle is that, you know, you can get something that's really close but it's that last 5% or the last 10% that can take years to finally iterate through. And that R&D is what they've got to go ahead and, and fund back. And, and most of these companies working on power meters that, are, that you're hearing about now have been doing R&D for two to three years at a minimum for just that product. Mm. Okay. Um, had a couple of other questions from, from listeners. Wavy Devi McAvoy was just <laughs> asking about um, whether you've done a, a review of the Stages power meter. And, uh, and also I've got a question around um, the rotor that's coming out and whether you've, you've had a chance to play with that because the guy that I'm working with with my cycling is very excited about the rotor being able to do pedaling efficiency. So the stages power meter um, that came out back the first week of uh, February, I did a review um, time to its its launch. Um, I would say the you know the review wasn't what um, folks wanted it to be um, in terms of you know how I found the product. I, I saw some issues in it um, that I think you know maybe they they launched a little bit soon on on their launch. Um, I've been testing updates since then um, and seeing some some good solid improvement in those updates. Um, and I'll be I'll be releasing an update to to that review kind of at some point in the next probably few weeks or so um, once I feel that the updates have have addressed at least the, the bulk of my concerns. Um, and I think that's that's a case where um, you know they went to market and um, there was just simply issues with it at that point in time based on the testing I had and uh, the data that I had and looked at and, and gave to folks that are really deep into power meter data metrics um, to look at. And then, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, just around the rotor. Yep. So looking at the rotor, um, it's on my radar. It's something I, I've been kind of talking back and forth with them. Um, right now, they're trying to fulfill customer orders. Um, they, they do have me at the top of the list to, to review their unit. Um, they're looking to fulfill the customer orders first. I've kind of heard it through the grapevine. It looks like they're having some, some initial teething problems, um, like all these power meter companies do. Um, so I can understand their hesitance to, to seed me a unit at this point in time. Thomas is asking um, if you were to have one training device or one training aid for triathlon, uh, what would you choose? Uh, I would say a, a GPS multi-sport watch would yep. be the biggest thing. So that'd be the one thing that I think I can get the most benefit from across all three sports, yep. um, you know, running and, and cycling and, and whatnot. And I don't, I don't think you necessarily have to have a power meter to excel within triathlon. I think um, it's it's very helpful, and it can, especially a longer distance 
on racing. Um, I think it's slightly less valuable on, on short course racing. Um, so that's why I think you know being able to focus on other metrics are, are more valuable there. Mm. Um, yeah. What about new stuff that you're sort of seeing that's coming out? Um, I think last time we, we talked a bit about uh, timing chips in terms of being able to do real time race and now real time race tracking. Are there, are there any new things that, that are coming out that you're you're quite excited about? Yeah, I think we saw that the real time tracking kind of break a little bit into the the market with the Edge 810 and the 510. Um, and I say a little bit because I think you know they, they added that feature, but it wasn't really it's not at this point feature complete in my mind. Um, there's just a lot of limitations around it. But I think that's their Garmin's first foray into that that real time tracking side of things. Uh, we've also got the the Bia watch. Uh, it's B I A is the way they they write it. Um, and it's a, a watch focused primarily on women, but it has um, both a real time tracking feature in it that connects directly to cell phone networks. Um, so no cell phone required while you're running, um, as well as has like an SOS safety feature that you can that you can press and it'll go ahead and it'll contact somebody if there's something wrong. That's pretty so cool, isn't it? It's very, very cool. Yeah, and they it's great. Start to do beta stuff um, in the next month, really. Actually, I've got a beta server that's open for another, I think, nine hours or so right now that you can get in their beta program on. Um, but that's something that I think, if they execute on that correctly, will start to really innovate um, in the marketplace. So, so how does that work? So if, if you're, say, say, for example, I'm going and doing an Ironman somewhere, I wear the watch and and will that feed data to a website and somebody else can log into that website and actually track where I am on the course? Yep, precisely, yeah. It's got a little uh, um, SIM card inside of it, and it goes ahead and it connects onto um, yeah, then the, basically a cell network at that point, um, and then it feeds that data right out there, and you can go ahead and track it. And, and how they've implemented that website and whatnot is still you know up for up for disclosure, I guess. Um, but I think that's something that, you know, if they if they execute on that right and they can execute on the watch right, um, then it could be a, a really cool cool thing. That could be a very helpful device for spectators <laughs> at an Iron Man. Well, Where the hell is my damn husband? He should be here by now. Yeah, well, that's true as well. But, uh, but I wonder when does it get to the point where we get saturation where actually you can go in and watch everyone on the race, you know, the, the whole idea of mm. seeing the whole field. Because it's one thing to see where your partner is or your friend, which is good. But it'd be nice to know where they are relative to everyone else in the field. Do you see? Yep, do you see? We've seen. Oh, you go. Okay. Yeah, I think we've we haven't seen the the advancements in race timing technology no. that we have areas. Um, and I think if we look at that, there's there's so many opportunities, especially when you start talking um, a lot of the like NFC and things like that that are very very cheap to implement that mm. we can do. Um, or sorry, RFID that we can do at uh, very cheap to implement and, and put on on users' tags, and then go ahead and, and transmit that information out. And that's a piece that's not happening. So today, those RFID tags are, are commonplace and um, and races everywhere. But it's the transmitting that data on a more frequent basis than just every you know five miles or five k or something like that. That isn't happening. Um, we're, we're on your website at the moment, and, and you must get looking chat by the way. Yeah, nice hundreds. I think I, I think I've read on you hundreds of emails every day. What's some of the tips you can give to people to to find the information on your website rather than trying to pop you an email? Hey Ray, um, yeah. I'm going to get a. And you're going to go to this link. <laughs> I'm going to get myself. I want to get a GPS. Which one should I get? Um, t- tell us how you how you sort of find your way through your website and, and how you sort of store all the information there. We're, we're trying to help you out here and reduce your email load. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. So on the main page, if, if folks scroll down a little bit to about halfway down, they'll see kind of the five easy steps to the site, um, and that's where I've got the links to the in-depth product reviews. So all the product reviews that I've done that are 
that I consider product reviews, not just talking about a product, but actually a full-on review of it. Um, and then below that is my recommendation. So I just updated this right before Christmas, um, and it, it's pretty much complete with all the products that are out there on the marketplace today, um, both from the gadget side as well as all the gear and equipment that I use daily um, and also all the gear and equipment that my wife uses. A lot of folks are interested in, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, also trainers as well. So kind of my recommendations in those those core areas. And then below that, if you're, you're looking for kind of the how-tos, how to do something or um, kind of tips and tricks, it's then that next section of the technology and, and sport how-to guides. Um, and so that's that's where I think most folks are gonna are gonna kind of end up and and are looking for answers in those areas. And it's something I know there's a search utility on the on the page as well right now. Since the redesign, the search isn't terribly great. Um, it's something that working on getting cut over and, and move back into to Google Search, so that'll be much cleaner again. Right? Can I ask um, where do you see the future? You know, like this is nowadays with this kind of um, this world, it's very small steps forward. But you know, where do you see this heading in the next kind of you know, two or three, maybe even five years from here. Yeah, I think the the biggest driver will, will honestly be what companies like Apple and Google and and all the big players do. I think you mm-hmm. know, there's always been rumors around um, a Apple Watch device, and, yeah. and in a lot of ways. Um, all that really takes to explode this marketplace is for that, um, you know, the iPod Nano, um, a size device to have not only the the screen that it does today, the color screen, but more importantly, about to support applications mm. and to be waterproof. Um, if they get to the point where that device is waterproofed, has a GPS in it, um, and can take applications, then I don't want to say it's game over for the rest of the the field out there. But that would put a pretty significant dent in the rest of the marketplace today. Um, but I think it would drive incredible innovation. I think there, there's so much potential for, for applications in a, in a watch form factor. Um, and that's, that's an area that would be really cool to, to see happen. Well, it opens up innovation as well, doesn't it? Because it's not limited to one company doing the applications for their watch. It's open up to a marketplace of creators who can create you know, apps for that world. Yep, exactly. And that's something like if you look at the Wahoo Reflect, um, that's their new bike computer they released just over 100 bucks, um, And that connects to your cell phone. And that's effectively a small display for cell phone-based apps. Um, yeah. So that way you can keep your cell phone in your back pocket, um, since most folks ride with the cell phone anyways. And this goes ahead and it connects via Bluetooth Smart. It has a battery of, um, in theory, close to, to a year. Um, it'll go ahead then and it'll uh, display app data. So what they're seeing is applications will develop for the Reflect, for example, Strava's on board with developing an app for Reflect. Um, and, of course, that's where the potential just gets huge in terms of what companies could do around that. Mm. So if, if guys want to support you, obviously, you know, this you, you do this because you, you love it and it's not you don't really uh, go out there with a lot of uh, advertisements and what have you from, from what we can see. Although, always click on the ads on a site. I've clicked on about 100 ads while we've been doing this interview. So... <laughs> Uh, so, ASB Bank, you're costing them. <laughs> so um, how, how can guys support you? Yeah, so the, I think the biggest thing is if if you're in countries that, that have Amazon, um, then there's Amazon links that are there um, that supports me. So folks buy products on Amazon, whether they're sports technology products or laundry detergent or diamond rings. You know, Something expensive is always great. Yeah, um, <laughs> diamond rings, nice. Attractive. Really anything you want. Um, the other the other option is for those folks in the U.S. and even abroad as well. Um, I partner with a, a U.S. company called Clever Training, mm-hmm. and they do um, sales of, of sports technology products primarily. and And I work with them really closely to ensure that um, any of the products I review they have for sale. Um, so they've got basically everything I've ever reviewed. Um, and folks get 10% off if they go through them. Um, and then that also supports the site as well. Um, they do ship internationally. I know you've got an audience everywhere. And, and folks have found, especially from Australia, oddly enough, um, that mm. because of the, 
the price of goods in Australia is so high that it's it's relatively cheap to to just pay the shipping fee from from Clever down to um, countries where the cost of goods is so high. I will say, guys, if you are listening and you are thinking about buying, you know, any kind of like device, you know, you can go to Amazon and check out the reviews. But I always feel they're a bit, they're a bit biased and they're easy kind of to game. And I know I bought Joe a um, GPS watch for Christmas this year, and uh, I was kind of looking around for reviews, and I was really struggling. I thought, oh, what about DC Rainmaker? And I, I went on, and you, you, you know, you don't have any associations. You know, you're not trying to make money from the products you're selling, and so it was just nice and clear. You had a really good review up there about the product I looked at buying, and, and I think if you listen to the today to the show seriously just make DC Rainmaker the place you go for reviews because I just when you go to selling sites oh, I think it's so nice. easy to game them and yeah. so you know whereas DC you know Ray you just do a great job of a really kind of subjective reviews that really you know makes it easy to make your decision around what you're going to buy and what you're going to get so and if anybody's in Paris um, where can they find your wife's cupcake shop nice yep it's it's easy to find. It's only a, only a block away from Notre Dame, so it's about a hundred meters away. Um, so if you're you're in Paris, you're likely to see Notre Dame. It's one of the top you know three or four sites: Eiffel Tower, Notre Dame, um, or Triumph. So it's you'll see that, and you can just walk a, a short distance away, hundred meters or so, and, and grab a cupcake. And what was the name of the cupcake shop, and what streets it on? Uh, yep, it's uh, Birdie's Cupcakery. Um, and so it's it's literally uh, you only walk one way, so just walk to the left of Notre Dame, and it's it's right. There. Um, so it's very very easy to find. We were there last year in, in September. I wish I knew. You, although you may not have been there then, but I wish you were there when we were there. I love a good cupcake. Yeah. Yeah. No, we just would have opened up a couple weeks later, um, but definitely appreciate when folks stop by. Uh, she enjoys it as well. I think we have blog readers stop by probably about every day, so it's it's always fun for folks to drop in. Cool. That's great. And uh, in terms of your racing this season, is any, are we going to see you out there racing at all? Yeah, so I, I was planning to do the the Paris Triathlon, which is uh, like July 7th-ish, something like that. Um, but it was canceled, unfortunately, because oh, I, really? I guess it could be the, the river permits this year, which is strange. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of doing some hunting around to find something in that same time frame that's um, also a... Uh, Olympic distance. I just my travel schedule is way too busy this year to be able to pull off a, a half or a full Ironman. Um, I've got the Paris Marathon in two weeks, just helping my wife pace through that, um, and I'll probably sprinkle some some sprint tries or whatnot in the in the spring and a, and a few more 10ks and things like that. Just just lastly, you know, last time we talked to you about you know because this is kind of a hobby for you, which is crazy because it's you know the, the quality of work you put out there seems like a bit more of a full time gig. How are you managing kind of balancing your obviously pretty busy work life and putting this in? Uh, it doesn't always balance quite that well. <laughs> uh, so a lot of lot of late nights primarily. I, I'm up usually pretty pretty late, um, and then plane flights is my savior. So I I spend a lot of time on airplanes, um, and I can get a lot done on airplanes. So that's that's where I tend to write quite a bit of stuff, and then uh, hope to finish it up when I land and and get it published out. Do do you see see one day this being the full time gig? Uh, if possible, it could be. I, I enjoy both. I, I really enjoy the work that I that I get to do in my in my day job, and I enjoy the travel aspect and yep. and talking to folks all over the world. So that's fun to me. Um, but uh, this is also fun too. So it's tough. Uh, I'm sure at some point down the road I'll have to choose one or the other. But uh, for now, I enjoy doing both. Well, hopefully you keep this up because you know people love what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for your time, Ray. And um, no, really good knowledge there. And guys, um, check out the website dcrainmaker.com. And we'll have a link to that on our website this week. Perfect. Thanks a lot, guys. I had a good time. Good interview, eh? Mm-hmm. Kind of cool to go live in Paris for a bit. Yep. Yeah, it'd be nice. Did you ever live in Paris? No, but I, sp- I went there quite a bit. Yeah. Mm. When you are in the UK? Mm. Uh, no, I'm living in France. Oh. We'd go there quite a bit. Where were you living in France? 
Mulhouse or Mulhouse if you're German. And how far was it? Was mm. it? Probably about four or five hours. Oh. We went there for a few races. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, once again, go to dcrainmaker.com if you want to check out. And, and I really do recommend that because you go to Amazon and Amazon, it's so easy to game Amazon. Mm. You know, it makes you read. I'm writing a book at the moment, John. Did you know that? I, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, um, and I've written a book on how to game Amazon, to be honest. Well, not to game it, but how you can... How if you do a bit of pre before you, if you get an audience before you actually start selling your book and you give them a chance to read it and then you say can you please write me a review now obviously you hope your book's good and they like it but mm. um, that's a massive influence on the sales of your book when you first start out and it's just little things like that you know all these sites people are looking at ways to make sure they can look really good on those sites mm. whereas when you when you're going to buy you know because these 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 gadgets aren't cheap you know yeah. they're a big investment. And uh, it's good to go to someone like DC Rainmaker and go and go, okay, well, here's some guy who's not trying to make profit off the buy-buy. He's mm. not trying to influence me. We know he's he's here for me, the user, and uh, and he's doing great work. So check it out. He's great I am, stuff. I am listening, Bevan. Awesome stuff. Yeah, what, what are you looking at at the same time? I'm looking at these results from... Um, <laughs> See? From, no, I was listening, though. You are talking about your Amazon book and yep. getting your pre-launch sort of reviews out there. I was looking at the results from, from Melbourne and um, quite a few big names... Um, DNF, you had Luke Bell, DNF, you had uh, Joe Gambles, Cam Brown, um, Tim Burkle, S- Sylvan Sudry, um, who was, I think, making his Ironman debut, Mitch Anderson, um, he's, yeah, wouldn't have been a contender, but he's had an axe on the bike and he's won Ironman races, um, and Luke Bell, uh, and the other one I was looking for that we've got in our show notes was uh, Chris Kemp, who won the 70.3 in the Aussie long course, I was really keen to see how he did, but I, his name didn't... Um, did he do Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm going to look for that now. But Tim Reed was the other one that I was picking to do good things. And he must have been on fire because he swam 21.45 and rode a 4.29. So he must have been right up there um, with, uh, with the front guys and uh, must have DNF'd on the, on the run. So, um, yeah, just interested. The, you know, a few guys we talked about last week that didn't show up. Oh, well, yeah. sponsor. Sponsor. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see you're interested about that. I can't find Chris Kemp's results there, so I don't know what he did. Well, I tell, okay, wait, wait. Later on the show, someone sent through an email about Chris Kemp, and he did a, um, a, a, a YouTube clip that's quite funny. Um, and it's, I can't remember if she sent it to me, unfortunately, but they sent through a YouTube clip, and uh, it's quite funny. So I'll put that on the video for this week's newsletter or on this week's website. And uh, it's quite funny because. He starts off training early in the morning, but turns out it's not really what he's doing. Uh, um, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, the clip that you put up last week was pretty classic. That was classic, yeah, wasn't so it? If you, if you haven't seen that, go to imamtalk.me and just look at last, last week's show notes, but it's a guy doing a cyclocross cyclo race, and we'll leave it at that. And, and, and there's some carnage. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. It's yeah. very entertaining. Um, Sponsor. Extreme Endurance. O2 Creation are now selling Extreme Endurance. Uh, I wonder why you had the website there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't look into it. He just had the Extreme Endurance sponsor and he had O2 Creation. What's all yeah, about? Yeah, so O2 Creation are now selling uh, Extreme Endurance in <coughs> Hong Kong. And they'll also, I, I popped him an email and also uh, sent him an email saying, what about Singapore? Um, and he said, yep, to Singapore. And uh, use the code IAMTALK and you get 10% discount um, for you guys in Asia. So they'll obviously cut down on your, your shipping quite a bit. Um, so and I'm thinking you go to O2 Creation, you click on – because it's got different sites and you go to Hong Kong and then you go on nutrition there you go. and then you go extreme endurance and they've got the immune boost as well yes so check that out uh, for you and basically if, you, if you're anywhere in Asia maybe check that out and use the code IAMTALK if you're going to uh, anywhere else in the world um, go to xendurance.com use the code IAMTALK5 and you get a $5 discount off anything 
you want, except for the little prepackaged things. Uh, extreme endurance athletes are, are doing some serious butt kicking um, of late. Uh, Yvonne Van Vlerken coming right. come second there at uh, at Melbourne, and then the week before we had uh, Timo Brach um, taking out Los Cabos. So those guys are, are good ambassadors for the product. And uh, I remember Yvonne Van Vlerken. I'm going to I'm going to have to give this a try. She said she actually uses um, extreme endurance when she's in the race as well, which is not something I've tried myself. Um, but I may, I may may look into that. So, uh, John, yes, I know we're talking about extreme endurance, but yes. I am on Ocean Creation right now, and I've still got the I'm Tall Jersey tops on them. Well, for sale, no, for saying available. Yeah, okay. I haven't confirmed or denied whether they are still available. Although, or when you go to sizes, they're not really giving you many size options. Yeah, they might just have a few leftovers there. They're pretty cool, but Timo Brach, eight-time Ironman champion, three times European champion. He's going to have to go down as one of the greatest athletes never to. I don't think he's ever... Is he podium in Kona? It's pretty hard to say who are the greatest athletes who haven't won. Mm. You know, because you go back to Hugh and Zach. Yeah, there's not that many. Yeah. Who who haven't won, you mean? Yeah, who haven't won. I'd put Timo Bracht up there. Um, who else? Cam? A lot of people said Cam, yeah. Um, what about some of the Germans? Yeah, Jürgen Zach would certainly be there. Wolfgang Dietrich. Um, uh, he would have would have been there or thereabouts. Um King Gar probably came pretty close. Mike Pig, yeah. Pig in that time. He wasn't around for a huge amount of time, but he was... When he was Rudka Beaky is a lot of guys. He, he got seconds and thirds there, there quite often, but Kona was his, his big gig. He, he often didn't do well outside of Kona. Who was the guy around Peter Reid era who was always there or thereabouts? It was always usually Tim DeBoom and Peter Reid. They won just, it. Yeah, banging back and forth, and Cam Brown was sort of in the mix around that time. Um, there's always a few guys that get one top three. And then sort of yeah. fade away, but I, and I, but I guess um, um, Raylert is going to at the moment is still one of the greatest athletes ever. Um, yep, totally. won, and also probably Marino. So I don't think the list is massive, but but certainly um, to the you, you think of that's a good that's a good one because like a Raylert, you go he should well he's always he's so close and it's just unfortunate mm. things or just not quite at the right moment and uh, and you always feel he's going to get there. Hopefully, hopefully mm. he doesn't become the athlete who never wins it. Mm. Mm. You want to get yourself some extreme endurance? Go to xendurance.com and uh, use the code IMTalk5. If you're in Asia, um, check out O2 Creation. Okay, I'll put a little bit of music on, John. Here we go. Website of the week. Jombo, I stuffed up. Did you? Because we should have had that music on before DC Rainmaker. We should have, because it was very French. It was. Website is im-betting.com, and it's basically brought to you by Torsten Rad from Tri Rating. Well, it's also brought to you by the rock star, rap star. The dragster. Yeah. Yeah, so so these guys are. Um, oh, it's your didn't I? Yeah, these guys are setting up uh, or have set up a little site there where you can d- do a bit of bet- bet- betting on. Uh, yeah, but you don't put money in it, do you? No, I don't believe so. No, you don't. And I think you just get to bet, and then what happens is 
you win stuff. Yeah, and the, and the odds are provided by try rating. So, you know, he uses all the statistics to get the, get the odds right. And then you can win a bunch of prizes from uh, magicsportfood.com, Planet X, um, bike jerseys, um, tri suits, and all that sort of stuff. So, a bit of fun. Um, they did it for Melbourne. And uh, so, we're, we're probably a week late on getting this information to you. But they're also going to be doing it at some of the other um, big races during the season. So, maybe put it on your bookmarks and we'll give it another plug when we're coming up to races but it's im-betting.com and uh, just basically trying to what was yeah, that? Look at, yeah so have a look around the site so what they basically do is it was closed for Melbourne so it's hard for us to really talk about how it worked but maybe we'll come back to it next time they're going to have a race on and so we can talk you guys through it yeah exactly but um, what's happening is you basically bet and then they've got prizes from um, magicsportsfood.com and they've also got from Planet X Carbon wheels. Yeah, but like for, for this one, if you click on the view, I am Melbourne participants. Um, it's basically got a little, uh, you know, what you, you go go through, and uh, you, you've got all the pros listed there, and you pick what position they're going to um, they're going to finish, and it's got a little commentary on on each one. So they said about Luke Bell, still posts strong results, but at best is a top five guy, no real weakness, but often crumbles on the run. And uh, and you see me. What was that? Was it next to their name? Was it? Yeah, geez, they put a lot of work into this, haven't yeah. they? So they've gone through um, all basically all the all the pros. Uh, well, it looks like all the pros. Yep. Yep. All Tom the pros. Lowe. Tom Lowe is a weak swimmer, but comes um, from behind for big results. Top ten at best here, though. Yeah. Well, they got eleven, so that's pretty pretty close. Yeah. Jordan Rap Rap Star is the confident, uh, more confident than anyone else in this field. Still a weak swimmer with a strong bike run and one of the toughest guys in the sport. He will not be happy with less than a podium finish, and he got fifth, didn't he? Yeah. So that wouldn't be podium there, would it? No. Uh, Sylvain Sadri, he said that the, the debatable French sensation was the only guy to beat Sebastian Keenley at last year and a half distance. Hasn't had much success in the full distance, but has more talent than almost anyone in the field. Um, there you go. What about the winner? Where's the winner? Where's the winner? Where's good old Nicolanis? So Nicolanis is one of the most consistent on the circuit and almost always on the podium. A second at Abu Dhabi the other week says he's ready for action. Well, he was. Kareen Abram, little known up and comer. Really? Is that what it says? Yeah. <coughs> so it, it's, Not anymore. It's all good stuff. So the betting's closed for this one, um, but I think uh, they're going to do the, you know, the major races. You have your Ironman Germany's and, and the ones where you've got good size pro fields. But Torsten will give us an update on that. And um, So check it out, put it in your bookmarks, and if you feel like having a bit of fun with the next one they do, check it out. Yeah, good times. We'll have to do it, John. We'll have a bet oh, against yeah. each other. Yeah. Game on. Okay, guys, we've got the guys from Yoga Sync on the show, and uh got old L from Yoga Sync, and he's going to talk a little bit about... Basics, basics, basics yoga, yoga, beginners, basics, beginners. Back to basics. Here we go. Here he is. Righty-ho. Um, I think it was probably late last year. At some stage, we had Al from Yoga Sync on the show and um, talking about the, the Yoga Sync website, and some of you guys have been, been checking that out. Um, but I thought it would be really useful. We're going to have these guys on you know, um, through the year and just talking about some specifics of yoga, something Bevan and I both uh, oh, yeah, you know what I, late, late, last year for the first half of the year I'd said back issues all year and admittedly I ended up seeing an osteopath and, and fixed it straight away and I was a bit of an idiot for leaving it so long but one thing I implemented around that time was just getting into yoga and, and for me the whole idea of going to a gym because I work at a gym and going somewhere to do it just didn't work and uh, and yoga sync I've been using it pretty much continuously since probably since we around the time we did the interview with you guys and I, and I love it and it's so convenient And mm. but the key thing is my body feels so much better for it. You know, mm. we work hard all the time, and it's just great to have that, that the release in your day. And 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 I've 
done a moderate amount of yoga in the past um, and so I sort of know what I'm doing and, and Bevan's obviously comes from a, from a gym environment and, is, and, and sort of knows what he's doing as well but I thought what may, might be quite useful today is, is to cover off some some basics for you guys that haven't done yoga before and um, yeah so we've got Al from Yoga Sync here to, to talk through some things so welcome back to the show Al. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, there's, there's some. You know, first up for, for yoga, I think it is really important that people get set up with the with the correct equipment. It's pretty basic stuff, um, but if you can, you, can you sort of share some of the things that the, the, the basic things people need. And I'm actually going to start it off because you want to get a decent yoga mat because at home I've got three yoga mats and um, one of them's a cheap ass one and it's a piece of crap because you slip and slide everywhere. So you need to start with it with it with a decent mat. Um, but, w- but what are, what are the, the main things people need to get? when they're, they're going to do yoga and, and obviously if they're going to be following yoga sync. Yeah, well, uh, props as we call them, like you basically got your bolsters, your mat, your blocks and your blanket and there's, there's all sorts. And I mean, tr- just to give you a bit of background on these, traditionally yoga in India was, you know, it was the domain of 16-year-old young guys and they didn't have a lot of limitations. And so these these props and stuff, they they allow you to work around your limit limitations in, in the west here and as we get a bit older and we haven't done a lot of stretching and s- stuff like that our you know you get tight hamstrings and hips and if if you're doing a, a hamstring stretch uh, a a strap is sort of essential because if you're really over pushing it and you're trying to get to your foot to grab your grab your foot because that's what the instructor looks like you you're just not really getting it because you're you're not actually stretching your hamstring and I'm uh, I'm speaking from experience on that one I <laughs> I didn't I was doing yoga for four or five years and I didn't actually really realize where my hamstrings are but coming back to a mat yeah a, a, a good mat is is a critical component because as you move on with your yoga you you do want something that you trust and you know, and doesn't slip as well because you can you can get into a lot of different moves. And yeah, as you said, if you're slipping and sliding on it, yeah, you you're just more focused on trying to trying to stay where you are than doing the yoga. Mm. So people, a lot of people aren't going to know what a bolster is. Can you explain that? Yeah, well, a, a bolster is a uh, it's a generally well, it's got some sort of filling. It's a it's a thing that's about two and a half foot long and it's the one I've got's filled with will, and it, it just gives you different support in different areas. It can you can use it for chest opening, and there's a, a range of different things as you can see from the Yoga Sync website that we use bolsters quite a bit. Mm. So quite often with the, the yeah. sitting pose, I remember I used to have I used to have to have two bolsters when I, if I was trying to do a um, I'm not sure what the correct yoga term is, but I was trying to do the the, the splits um, forward splits, and uh, yeah, I needed, <laughs> needed two two bolsters, and then and then I was able to hold the position you know comfortably, and um, and, and and then I was able to work my way further down. But yeah, it's a really you know especially when you're starting out, the, these props, as Al said, really help you to to get into a correct position and not be you're just hanging there or as Al said trying to get to your toes you don't need to and um, and they, they provide a really nice level of support when, when, it, it, comes, oh, when, oh, when it comes to um, room temperature and stuff like that what, what are you looking for in regards to if you're going to do yoga like you know nowadays there's this bit of a revolution around hot yoga what's your thoughts on using yoga sync and or just general yoga what, what's the difference between hot yoga and maybe just your everyday yoga 
Well, there's a, f- a few different philosophies on this hot yoga. Like, I mean, I I do like doing it in a room where the the temperatures are a de- it's decent. So yeah, you know, it's really hard to stretch. Your your muscles are sort of like chewing gum a little bit. You know, they got to warm up to stretch well. But there is with this hot yoga, it's you know a lot of other teachers will say that you actually got to heat the body up from the inside out, not the outside in. It's really the philosophy behind yoga, and just having the the hot room temperature doesn't do you do you a lot of good. So, there there are a few different philosophies on it, but you know it's a, a comfortable temperature. And uh, for me, it's like well, so, some days I might want to you know have a a good, really hard session and get a really good sweat up. So I'll, I'll put a, a heater in the room just to get the temperature up a little bit, a little bit more and. You know, so it's it's really personal preference, and there's you could go on about the different philosophies of room temperature quite a bit, and I'm not sure anyone's really uh, got anything uh, really Concrete. substantial. Yeah, and and I would say for, if you are looking into the hot yoga side of things, you know, we we I get lots of positive feedback on it, but I really would say for for, for you guys listening, it is basically becomes an extra workout whereas if you do yoga um you know just um a lot of the yoga sync stuff or, or more more regular work uh it certainly doesn't take as big a toll as it would with the um yeah it's, with, it's with pretty hot yoga. i've done hot yoga a few times and i have to admit i found it quite challenging um i found it challenging once you went to 90 minutes i found an mm. hour okay but once you went to 90 i really struggled but you are pretty buggered at the end of it aren't you it's, mm. it's pretty fatiguing mm. and, and generally it's just one standard routine as well so you're yeah, you do the same thing every time, and you know I'm not big on that. You know, I like pick, picking a specific area and saying I'm going to work on that for the next six weeks and get that. Now, now you've obviously been doing this this for a while, and you will have had plenty of first timers coming and going, um, and and experiencing yoga. What, what are some of the things that you see on a really common basis of of um, that, that people re- really just just don't get the first time um, when the, when they first start out with yoga, or things that the people just you know, maybe things you've assumed people might know, but they just um, just just get it wrong at the fir- first few practices. So I, I touched on it a bit earlier with the the uh, props that they allow you to go work within your limitations, and what I find is people get an idea of what the pose is supposed to look like, and and they'll try to go into it and really they're not activating all the different muscles and and working to where they're actually supposed to be if you if you're stretching your hamstring you you should be stretching your hamstring not going mm-hmm. into your lower back or busting your shoulders out and so I mean that's one of the the most common things and probably overdoing it a little bit you know a lot of people just think that you've got to go 100% all the time and that's You'll find after doing yoga for a while that that just doesn't work. You'll, you'll, I, I mean, for me, I used to, I mean, I do a lot of headstands and I used to just really work, work at them from strength because I've, I've come from a gym background as well. And I'll just get in there and I've been in yoga classes with, you know, there's a lot of not so fit women and stuff and then they can really stay in their poses for a long time. And yeah, sometimes it's just read it. Uh, better to take the foot off the pedal a little bit and get a better awareness of things. Mm. A, a big part of, of yoga, often people go, what's the difference between yoga and, and just going out and doing you know, 30 minutes of, of stretching? And um, I don't know, for me, a big part of it is, uh, is getting into a, a nice breathing routine. Is, that, um, is there any way you can sort of explain 
don't know how, how the breathing works and, and what you maybe instruct people to do when you're in a class on how they can actually work on, on controlling their breathing and, and, and I guess their concentration levels a bit as well. Yeah, breathing's, breathing's a critical part of yoga and you, you I mean, it seems simple to me, but you've got to breathe through your nose and out through your nose and yeah, there's a, f- a few different ways you can breathe depending on the different postures that you're in. If you're, if you're in a twist, you know, you'll, you're not going to be able to breathe down into your lower abdomen too well. So you've, you've just got to really think about where the, how the air is coming into the body. I mean, a good way is to, to breathe it down into your lower abdomen, bring the, the chest, the air up to your chest and then out of the lower abdomen, um, back down. So it's, yeah, but the, the most important thing is, is breathing through your nose. It's even, I was at a, party the other night and a guy he was he was talking about sleep and and just people breathing through their mouths at night and it's just it's just not good for you mm. and and when you basically go through um a yoga routine like the yoga sync guys they will be giving you they do give you cues when on to on, breathe and, yeah. yeah and just right, you should be concentrating on your breathing and and, and it, it does make a really big difference well i have to admit even you know, I've been in the industry for years, and even when I first started doing, you know, yoga type classes, I was always confused about when you're meant to be breathing. You know, mm. like it's. I think a lot of people get confused by that. You know, am I meant to be breathing in now, or am I meant to be breathing out? And it's a bit of a practice skill, but the better you get at it, the more is that sense of to, kind of whole synergy kind of thing that happens when you've got the breathing in right in line with the movement as well. And and it can cross over to your your, your sport as well because a lot of people struggle with their breathing with their swimming and again it's about creating that awareness and Al said you know you've got you've got this this picture in your mind with a particular pose you should be doing it this way whereas you might actually need to be using some props and doing it another way and and some, it also you know again it's about that awareness of what you're doing versus what you're sort of aiming to do and also swimming the same sort of thing if you can get that awareness of of your breathing and what you're doing rather than just battling your way through the water you can hopefully get a lot more relaxed and I certainly know that when I get my breathing right with the yoga you feel a lot better afterwards um you mentioned earlier as well Al about um you know some people overdoing it a bit um in, in terms of a, I don't know, a hurt scale or anything like that, should, should poses be, um, how much should people be pushing in poses and, and any advice you might have about how, how deep people should go and, and should should the poses hurt? Yeah, this is a uh, one of those things that you really have to decide internally. Uh, for, for me, when I first started yoga, from my personal experience, I'd never really stretched my hamstrings too much and I'd... I've been playing a lot of sport, and they were. I just couldn't stretch my hamstrings because the pain was was so so bad, and I didn't really understand how to stretch. So, it's in a sense you have to sort of find that it's a fine line between between where you're. It's actually painful and detrimental, and the stretch. So you don't really want to be mistaking the stretch for the pain, but then you don't want to be mistaking real pain for the stretch because if as you know, if you push it too far, you can you can cause an injury. So it's mm. it's really something that you need to breathe in, and and over time things will come a little bit better, and you'll get a better understanding of things. And, and a bit like pacing, and we go on a lot about pacing and and, and training um, for for your swim bike run, and it's a lot like that with yoga. You know, you start out easy. 
in your second maybe if you do a few reps of a particular exercise next one you might go a little deeper next one you might go a little bit a little bit deeper still but I think some people as you said really get um a bit carried away in terms of uh, going too hardcore too quick yeah you shouldn't be really hammered the next day like no. I mean you can feel a bit of yeah I mean there's a difference between good pain the next day and bad pain and I think you'll have a have an idea the following day if you've overdone a little bit but you can you can always do a little bit of recovery yoga just to get those muscles moving and get a little bit of blood back in them to help them recover a bit quicker mm. and, and I, I guess um the final thing I've sort of got a question around is, is relaxation and, and you know, pretty much all yoga workouts have a period of relaxation at the end of the, the session and sometimes people might might skip that but it's, it's, it's a pretty important part of the, you know, pretty important part of the routine isn't it? Yes, yeah, so six or seven years ago I, I used to teach four or five classes a week and I don't actually teach anymore but I, I was doing it at a gym and you'd you know, there'd be sometimes 35 people there and you'd get to the relaxation at the end and invariably 10 or 12 people would just walk out of the class Yeah. But before the before it's even finished. But, it, yeah, it is, is very important. And, and, I mean, I always say it's one of the h- hardest poses for people to do because just stopping, integrating everything that you've done and and just calming your mind and letting go is not, not a skill that a lot of people have and generally the ones that were walking out of the class were the the ones that needed the most so it's mm-hmm. yeah it, it is is important because you you need to you know you get your heart rate back down and everything can just yeah as I said just integrate what you've done in that practice for the day and um, I, I generally do my yoga in the evenings and I certainly find it a good wind down mechanism at the end of the, the workout and just sort of calming you a bit for, for bed and just Letting the mind just um, just totally you know focus on breathing and, and just wash everything else out. So it's, it's a luxury of thinking time. Even you know, like I know it, sometimes it's about going to another place. But for a lot of us, how often do you daily actually just stop and, and allow some thoughts just to be in place and and to kind of remove that from your the experience of doing yoga? I kind of feel you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I find a lot of people they they say some of their best ideas come in relaxation, even though it's yeah. not what you're supposed to be doing. You know, when you when you quiet the mind down, things just well up, and you know areas that you've been working on, and you you can't think yourself out of them. They just have to arise from that space of stillness. Mm. So um, yeah, I think last time we talked about yoga sync um, and and the different ways that it works and and so on. If we've got um, sort of guys that haven't done any yoga before and and really starting from scratch, obviously got some good level of fitness. Um, uh, what's the best way for them to sort of find their way through the the yoga sync site? So basically, yoga for for beginners. Yeah, we're actually building some courses in there. Where there's a there's a beginners course in there. It's actually in the help desk at the moment. But over the next two or three weeks, we're we're going to be moving that into the specific course software. So, I think we've started with a a beginners class every day. But you, I mean, if you've only got a three three or four days a week for forty five minutes, you can structure it like that. So, but there are quite good sort tools and everything in the explore syncs and. You can just go to the beginner level and have a bit of a look around. It's just ev- everyone has just got such a y- unique requirement. It's it's hard to to give a blanket. Say this is this is what you need to work on. You know, some people have got tight shoulders and others have got tight hips or hamstrings or 
so you you really sort of have, have a bit of an idea of where you're at and um and what you want to what you want to work on but just just starting with a, a simple beginner's routine is is probably pretty safe cool and um and we've got a couple of uh promo codes that we'll have um up on imtalk.me we've got imtalk G and I am Talk P, um, yep. and that gives you um, some special deals on Yoga Sync. So check it out at yogasync.tv. Um, anything else, Al, that's going on with Yoga Sync? Yeah, I think those codes that you've got there, uh, they, they might give you a 30 day $1 trial, just yep. for Great. people out there wondering what they do. Uh, not really, we're just continuing to work on the software and a little and the content and just taking feedback from people out there so if you've got any feedback we really appreciate it so we can uh, idea is we want to have the usability as as good as possible and um, yeah we appreciate any comments that you guys could could offer yeah so if, if you guys are beginners and you've got any other questions just go on to yogasync.tv and um, if you're not quite sure just flick them a note and the guys there will be able to help you out so uh, check it out and um, thanks very much for your time Al no, thanks for having me, guys. And as I might just say that if if you pop a ticket into the help desk there, if you're unsure, we can uh, point you in the right direction. Good Perfect. times, awesome. awesome, mate. Thanks for your time. Okay, cheers, guys. Have a good day. Questions and answers, and there's not many this week, but good old Mandy Miller says on the Los Cabos Times, swim was a wetsuit swim about 69 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, how hot is that, John? I don't know, Bevan. So not so cold. Not so cold, but not warm, with some swells throughout the and quite a current on the way back in the second half. The bike was 5,600 no, 5, feet of climbing, which slowed the field a bit. For age groupers, it was more than had been billed. Run was average, just a dry, warm, dry day, but strong sun. Well done. Is this just telling us about the race, is it? Yeah, just saying it's a well done race. Very well done for the first year. Nice work by race directors. A beautiful place and had a great mellow vibe. Probably because they didn't have those stacked top 10 uh, people in each age group. Um, (laughs) And we'll do it again even with the relentless bike course for this Flatlander. So I put the question out there. I was just keen to hear from people um, who had done Los Cabos, a new event. And um, times were not electric fast. um, So I was just wondering sort of why that was when the, the course profile looked like it was a relatively flat day but it sounds like it was a yeah, a nice moderately challenging course I thought what we could do around questions and answers time John is also we could do this week on Facebook what's happening on Facebook for the listeners okay. and um, Gareth Flynn's same possible oh, discussion of the yes. week yep yep carry on sorry was <laughs> um, basically plenty of people were moaning about the day about having a short swim and today plenty of people were moaning that they allowed 2,000 people in the water in those conditions in a mess start the organisers were between a rock and a hard place apparently 22 people pulled out into the swim um, and 70 people DNF'd um, the swim so my question is what should the organisers have done staggered the start somehow cancelled the swim allowed 3.8 swim and 1.5 swells when does safety take over the priority of the experience John your thoughts um, I was doing something else <laughs> Now, now you're not just not listening to me, John. You're not listening to the listeners. I was thinking, I, I, actually, actually. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll do this. Maybe that's next week's discussion. You don't even know. What I've, I've got, about. I've got your. Next, he gives I've, me blank looks. No, I've got your next week's discussion or up, up there, the one you came up with last year, the silly one you came up with last week. Oh, that's the best one ever. About um. Yep. What's the one thing you should be doing, or something like yep, that? That's right. Yeah. Yep. So I had that saved up for next week. I was, Tony Buckingham. He's going for lots of sub nines in Melbourne. Do they count for the swim caps? No, they don't. Have you pulled that up? Are Sorry? we doing that today? Swim caps? No, I haven't because I figured that the times don't count. Yeah, but they're still going to go to the finish at I, man. Okay, we'll do that next week. Okay. 
Well, and next week I'm going to put music on before it too. Okay. It needs to be more of an event. Okay. Andrew Bunskan, did you see the Mansell's son Cullum well, the, took out the Year Seven Age Group National Tri Champs? This is this is where I'm going to now. You see, very in speedy jeans. Well, to be honest, he probably hasn't got his father's jeans. And that's what John said. He says he's probably got his mother's. <laughs> you know, I saw the I saw the mountain snail there. You um, know what's funny? Because mountain snail was always quite good at keeping in contact with us, and and it, through the years he sent photos of his boys doing races and stuff. And his boys becoming a young man now. Mm-hmm. You know, his, you know, his boys. Well, it's, it's year year eight, I think. Well, how old is year, year seven or year eight? That's uh, it's intermediate, isn't it? It's last 13. year, last year intermediate, probably yeah, yeah. eleven, twelve. Yeah, but he's no longer looking like a little boy. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's starting to look like a bit of a man, John. Yeah, he's getting some hair on his chest. John Williamson sent through a, a funny thing. It's good. And, uh, <laughs> that, that was funny. Was it? I didn't watch it. Was it good? Was it? No, I didn't. You said it was a funny thing. I said, was it? <laughs> Okay, uh, I want to be an Iron Man. Anyway, I'm just trying to find. You see, you see what I'm trying to do here is it was the people that I that, that I met out at the um, the race last weekend. So last weekend, well, last week, last Thursday, we had the New Zealand Schools Triathlon in Christchurch, which I was the I was the competition manager. Um, Were you? Yeah, and so I was basically running all the logistics and what have you. That's when you got angry at everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, I got angry a couple of times actually. Yeah. You do get angry pretty easy. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, and so out there, I saw old, um, I saw John the Mountain Snail. Uh, Is that when his son took it out? Son took out the year. Yeah, was year. it a close race? Uh, I can't remember. Um, I'm on the. I'll check the results out in a second. Also saw Warren Sutherland out there. Good Warren. He was uh, he was help helped out a bit of the setup. Came Great. down from Good Warren. I think he was from, he's from Wellington, and I think it was Steve Smith from Topol. And his Topol. His <laughs> Is that Topol? That's how you got to say it. And Sam, I think his son was Sam Smith. That's what I was trying to quickly find there. And, you, and you, you were getting in my thought process, and I was doing it, and I was getting flustered, and I couldn't find it. So I'll find it in a second. Um, but they were down from Topol, and they'd listen to the show on the way down. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and apparently, we're the only ones that they listen to because the, the other ones get a bit annoying. Well, so well, I, was, I was loving that. I, I thought we'd get a bit annoying, but obviously not. No. Uh, and interestingly, under 19s, the rest of the world don't stress too much on the under 19 talent coming out of New Zealand. It's a bit thin at the moment. Oh, bit really? thin. Well, that's that's not that's not just under 19. That's the next few years, John. Oh yeah, it was thin. Why? Put it this way: if, if Axel and I were discussing after the race, if we'd raced, I probably would have got third. Wow. Well, I got are, third. You're top, you're, oh, I no, suppose I'm you not. are just an average no, age group. I'm an average age yeah. group. I'm not top. Uh, so that was not not looking very good. I think a few guys didn't race, but I was like, oh goodness me, that's not strong. Um, do, you, do you think you're going to break their heart when they hear that? The well, no. The, the guy that got third is a Christchurch guy, and when I race him, I beat him. So it's not like I'm trying to be a, a tool about it or anything like that. No, but do you I, think you, he goes? Oh, I thought I had a future. Oh, that hurts. I'm crying right now. Nobody loves me. No, they just need to get faster, and then they'll be they'll be happy if they beat me. I don't want them. Be, I don't want to be able to beat guys that are under nineteen. They yes, should be you kicking. Do. Well, it's nice to do it, but I'm 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 happy and sad when I beat them. I'm like, you guys should be kicking my yeah, ass. Yeah, I'm sad for the future, and I'm happy that I kicked your ass. Yeah, I've still got it. Yes. 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 Uh, Bevan, what's happening in your world? Oh, wait, 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 couple things if you want to email the show iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com remember if you go to www.iamtalk.me now you can get the show email to you every week I've been pretty consistent in doing that mm-hmm. quite a few people have signed up for that so you just go to www.iamtalk.me and just in the middle column there it says get the show email to you and I, I email you the mp3 link so then you can either listen to it now 
or you can download it and put it on any device, no matter what format of device it is. So make sure you do that. Sponsors, John? It was Sam Smith from Topol Intermediate School. Topol? Mm. And, Top his dad, and his dad was Stephen. Stephen? Mm. Topol. Topol. From Topol. Topol. John? Yes. Sponsors? <laughs> Uh, Athlinks.com. Yes. Get your, get, your, get, your, get your crew involved. Extreme Endurance. Um, Hong Kong. I've been there. And Coffees of Hawaii. Just drink it. Okay, John. What's your goss? My goss, Bevan. Here's a question for you, Bevan. Okay, go. Right. Yes, I've got the answer. So, uh, right. Well, I'm not God. Like so you. <laughs> I did a 16K time, time trial on Saturday. Yes. So first time I did it, so you went to t- to dis- distance, not time. Uh, yes. So and it was a race. I'll tie that right. It wasn't a race. It was just, just John just, Newsom's race. Yeah, it was a, it was a time trial with um, the Phil and Ada and Murray. So Who won? Um, well, I did, but it doesn't matter. Um, Whatever. So did it first uh, of February. Pretty pumped with my time there. Yeah, um, that's right. You had a good day that day, didn't yeah, you? Average, you were surprised yourself, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, average forty k an hour. Pretty good time. Went back and did it this time. Yeah, and you've been training well. Yeah, I was only three watts higher than last time. Didn't feel great. It was a really cold conditions, but I was three watts higher. I was yep. hoping for about a. I ended up doing three. You were hoping for ten watts. I was, yeah. was three oh one. Well, I was three. Well, this is an annoying thing. I was uh, I was coming down. There's a, there's a straight you come down just before you come to a little windy bit before you finish. And I was at 300 watts. And I thought, come on, I want to get up to, to 301 or push 302. Through, push push through. through, push through. Got up to 301, thinking sweet. And then I'm just coming up to my finish line, and I sit up and I press my lap button. And as I sit up to press my lap button, it drops back to 300 oh. watts. So I'm calling it 300.99 watts. Um, so it was a three watt gain. Uh, conditions wise last time very very good conditions really yep. nice it was a nice warm but morning but do conditions oh yeah, okay, right. yes, this, okay, this yeah, is where yeah. I'm going to um, so this time do it but this time we did it in the dark it was 6 degrees so you, you couldn't even see right. anything well we had our headlights on did I you could, have that flash headlight uh, yeah, yeah yeah so I could I could see plenty seeing wasn't the issue it was cold though so what do you think I'm 3 watts better um what do you think my time? I'll give you a clue. My time was slower. How much slower do you think I was? Given it was. Wait, how long did you take last time? Last time I think was twenty three. It was about twenty three and a half. And you were saying you're slower this time, but you're so, three watts faster. So, so I'm. I'm, I'm three my watts performance is so it was a stronger performance, but it was a really cold morning and it was dark as well. Was there much of a wind this time? No, both times. First time there was a, it was quite nice because there was a tiny headwind on the way out and a little tailwind on the way back, so we were able to keep good speed on the way back. Yep. So how much, and this is this was surprising me, how much time do you think is the difference between... Two minutes. Don't be so stupid. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue. 50 seconds difference. Oh, it's not, not two minutes isn't that much more than that. Yeah, but two minutes. Uh, over 16Ks, if you were two minutes Well, because you asked me the question, I thought you were going real bad. Well, no, no. So that, I think this is really brings home the point, and I've often said this, is um, you know, once you've got a power meter, and, and when you're doing 16K time trials, the time is, is irrelevant. But 50 seconds. So mm. I, was, I was putting more power through the pedals, and Three I was watts f- more. 50 seconds or slower. And Phil was the same. He was about a minute slower, and he had a seven-watt increase. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So it was, uh, it was quite significant. So I'm interested now. When you do it, do you just go at the same time? Or do you do it? Uh, no, we, just, we just spread out. So about a minute. Or so. We don't want to, no interference. Okay. But you don't, one person goes and waits and the next yeah. person goes and waits? Yeah. No, but until the other person gets back? No, no, no. It's just like 30 seconds to a minute between. So really interesting that um, there's that much time difference in terms of conditions. Now, I, I know when it's windy that you have huge variations, but these conditions, it was basically just cold 
and that was what made um, 50 seconds difference over over a 23-minute test. It is great that we have these tools nowadays, isn't it? Because traditionally you go, oh, gutted, mate, I'm 50 seconds yeah. slower. You know what yeah, I mean? And you beat totally. yourself up and, oh, I'm losing it, man, I'm losing it. Mm. And really, you've actually, you know, there's been some improvement. Mm. Mm. This is going to be a really long show. We're going to have to start trimming these shows down, but they're getting well, no too long. No one's complaining. Yeah. yeah. But this is going to be two hours plus, isn't it? What are we going for? Let's have a look here. It's eight fifty, and we start at six thirty. Oh, it's about two hours. Yeah. Okay. Actually, less than two hours. Okay. Good. Let's talk for another twenty minutes. Yeah. What else? Have you been, what do you got on this weekend, John? Uh, this weekend's Easter coming up. Oh, cool. Um, so we're going to make some Easter eggs. You make Easter eggs. Well, this is a challenge of my life. <laughs> we have to make. So we've got some molds, and we've gone and bought this. Our kids can only have one sort of chocolate. Oh, carob. Uh, no, it's not carob. It's um, it's a lint chocolate that's basically oh, just cocoa. Good. It's just cocoa. It's got no soy, no yeah, dairy or anything. You like that stuff? Yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> the, the the lint stuff is generally but this is eighty five percent cocoa. Yeah, that's what I have. Most dark runner eighty five percent lint. Yeah, I ate or do you have Whitakers? I have both. Okay, Whitakers. I like the lint stuff. It's a bit kind of bittery, mm. but you, you get used to it. It's lovely. So we're gonna have to try to make some Easter eggs out of that. Um, what and then will you put like? A little marshmallow or something. In the well, do you, what, what do you do? Maybe what you should do is just put some tinfoil around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Draw a picture on it. Yeah, put it in the put it in the microwave. Put the tinfoil in the microwave with it, with it around right. it. See what happens. How will you wrap them? Because you know you've got to unwrap your Easter egg. Oh, I don't know. We'll figure something out. How many will you make? Uh, it's, it's probably more. How many will Belinda make? Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then Felicity's turning four on Tuesday, so her birthday. Belinda's not going on your bloody. So Belinda's doing the same photography course as mm. Joe. And they had the Joe had her Sunday thing last week, and then mm. I think they're going to go hers this week. No, she had it. Yeah, it's just been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe the week before, whatever. And they're going to be going. The, the whole crews are going away together. So I saw Belinda at the gym the other day. I said, "Oh, you going away?" You know. She goes, "Oh, I'm going to talk with John's try." Yeah, she's pumped about it. It's going to be good. Weekend away, couples weekend away. For your try. No kiddies. Yeah. Well, you, but you could stay home and she has a photography course. She was too slow off the, the gun for that one. Oh, really? Too slow off the mark. Uh, what's happening in your world, Bevan? We had a party on Saturday night. Mm. Well, we didn't really have a party. Where's the invite? Well, John, this is the funny thing. A friend of mine called Tom, he was, he's been engaged recently and he's just turned 40. Mm. So another friend of mine called Kate said, let's have a party for Tom and Kate, or Tom and his partner and, and for his 40th. Okay, okay, good. Oh, good. It's going to be, we, we were having my house, Kate was saying, blah, blah. Oh, good. And then like day beforehand, oh, can we have it at your house? <laughs> so we had a party. Nice. And admittedly, I was pretty tired, but it, was, it wasn't a party. It was more of a gathering. Mm. And uh, but it was good. No shenanigans. No no diving off your deck into the no, driveway. No drunkenness. No drunkenness. We even put the spa on because we haven't had the spa on for a bit, and we were thinking a bit of nudity is going to happen. So I'm oh. hopeful it yeah. happen. Oh spa is always good for nudity. Yeah. But yeah. that didn't happen, so I was a bit gutted about that. And then um, what else been happening, John? I've been working. Yeah. I worked, you know, last week I worked non-stop. Crazy. I must My have done. Probably, I probably did forty hours. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. Whole forty. It was, it was like it was like slavery. Yeah, like the old days of slavery. I was, whoops. Something's got to change, Bevan. Something. The world. The, something's something's got to change. change. Um, we got the Easter egg hunt tonight. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My mum always goes OTT. I always get mad at her. Be feeling a bit sick tomorrow then. Oh, well, my strategy is because my mum every year I get angry at my mum at Easter time. Yeah. Have I told you this before? Yeah. I'm telling you again. <laughs> it's every year. <laughs> yeah. Every she year. puts too many Easter eggs out and oh, they all get sick. <laughs> the kids, no lies. The kids go home 
with like a pick and save bag full of chocolate. That is wrong. That is wrong, isn't it, John? Yeah. Now, really, it's not full to the top, but there's a lot of chocolate yeah, in there. Yeah. So my strategy is, I figure I can probably eat four to eat more chocolate than the kids. Mm. So what I do is I just go gorge on the chocolate when it's there, mm. so that so there's less for them. So yeah. I'm actually being unhealthy healthy. for yeah. their healthiness. Yeah. I'm sacrificing myself, John. I'm hearing you. So so tonight I'm going to be sick. Right. Have you ever eaten yourself sick? Uh, no, I'll say no. Really? Yeah. No. Not, not, never once. I've been sick after eating some dodgy things pretty soon after, but no, I don't think I've eaten so much that I've been sick. No. Have you? One time years ago, John, there's a place called the Lone Star. Oh, yeah. Lone Star's good feed, isn't it? Gone downhill a bit. It's yeah. the same. Uh, no, this portion size is a lot smaller these days. Oh, no. no what they do is they offer you. You can go medium or big. Mm. Go big, go big. Mm. So Lone Star is, is a traditional kind of steakhouse kind of place in New Zealand. And when you get bread, normally when you get bread, you pay $12 for a piece of bread in New Zealand. You've got you get, the price. You must go there a lot. No, no, no. Just when you go to normal restaurants. It sucks. And you go to Europe, you get free bread, don't you, John? Mm. You, go, you just sit at the table, they give you bread, and then you walk away. Lone Star bread is pretty high quality. Well, that's the thing. And you get a loaf of it. Yeah. So you pay, I don't know, maybe $9 for it, but you get a loaf of bread. So we used to have this thing called the Lone Star Challenge. And what would happen was you had to have a Lone Star bread all to yourself. Mm. So basically, think of a loaf, guys, and it's a loaf, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's 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 a medium sized life. Yeah. It's nice and it's warm straight warm, out of the oven. Garlic, garlic butter, butter and it's sensational. Mm. So you had to have the lonesome bread. Yeah, ribs. Ho- well, Fraser Updock, he have you had Updock at your house? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> Fraser, he did the bread, ribs, main and dessert. The Lone Star challenge was just to do the bread. The main. Now, the mains are big, aren't they? Oh, they're big. They're big mains. So the bread by itself, you did after the bread, then you had to eat the main. And then after that, you had to have the dessert. And if you could do that, you're a legend of my group of friends. Mm-hmm. So we went to Lone Star. So Fraser had that plus the ribs. An entree of ribs. Yeah, but still, you get, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. eight ribs or something there. Yeah. That's a lot of food. Yeah. So we had the Lone Star. I got I got there and I ate my meal and I was just, I was sick as a dog. Yeah. We left the restaurant. And we we get in the car. Raylene was my partner at the time. We sit in the car. and I said, "Babe, we can't we can't actually drive yet." And we I had to sit in the car for like half an hour because I couldn't move. And seriously, any movement was just like going to kill me. So finally, the car goes and we get home. And I'm literally just one step. It's like you went, I've just finished an Ironman. I can only move my legs. Marshmallow man. Marshmallow man. Finally get to bed. And I'm like, yes, I've made it. I'm, I'm going to be fine. Fall back onto the bed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fall back onto the bed was a big mistake. Too much space. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> oh, you could see that bread but in a different light it's oh, vulgar <laughs> so and then after that I thought you know what I don't need to they have reduced the size of the meals when I've been to Lone Star they've reduced them quite significantly yeah. well, when I've been out of, out of Christchurch the uh, hub maybe that's the problem it's, uh, they, they've still been good size but not the full Monty used to get anyway New Zealand we got, cricket Bevan we would have watched the cricket yeah um, we're going to have Legends of Triathlon do you have yeah yeah do you have sport yeah, yeah. When did you get sport? I've had it for a long time. You never used to watch sport. You never had sport. I'm, I'm contemplating turning it off because I don't have bloody time to watch it and wife you, and you've kids got my speed squad, it. You? Yeah, yeah. We just record it. Yeah, but then you still got to find a time. Can, what are the chances of me sitting there in the evening watching sport? Do you think? I reckon you, you're the man of the house, mate. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know, who wins the money, eh? Ain't happening. Who wins the money? Who feeds the family? <laughs> yeah. You know, we should go back to old school where the woman was subservient. No joke. <laughs> joke. Joke. It's a joke. <laughs> uh, so no, I want to go. Uh, I was listening to cricket yesterday while I was working, so it was all good. Was it good listening to it? That's no, not bad. 
But I, then I didn't hear the end. And then when I went upstairs and watched it on the news, I was pumped. Yeah, they lost because uh, they were only one wicket down, and then they were like four, four down, and everybody was crowding around the batter, and he was pulling his pants. It was uh, great. He got caught, and it yeah. was a great catch. Come on, the Kiwis. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So the uh, Legends of Triathlon is coming out um, at the some stage this week on the first of March. Pauli Kuru. Um, Pauli Kuru. We got a request to get him, so we got him. Yeah. And and Pauli's um, a guy from Finland, and he had plenty of uh, again. He'll go down as one of the greatest athletes. He really will, won't he? That didn't win Kona, um, and got himself in a position and came very very close. Um, Although he was on the mark. Out no, of an era. Yeah, so that kind of sucks when you're in that era. It must suck when you're in an era when there's just a like the Brownleys word. right now. Yeah. You know, like Gomez, take away Brownlee. Mm. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, so English is not his first language, which obviously makes the interview, you know, a bit more of a challenge, but still I was really keen to get him on and there's some some gold stuff in there. And uh, so so check that out. That'll be coming out later this week at legendsoftriathlon.com and spread the word about that because um, you know, the, the number of people that listen to that versus listen to I Am Talk every week is uh, not as high, so we want to make sure that everybody knows about it and get those uh, get the word out there because, um, yeah, there's some awesome interviews. To be honest, in some ways I think it's a bit better than the show. Like some, yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff on there and some of the shows we've done, it's pretty great. So yeah. check, check, check it out. And I must say thanks to Tim Hemming because I was on the internet the other day doing a search for John Hammerman yeah. and he wrote a piece about legends. Yeah, he's doing a monthly piece about it. We love Tim. Ken Glark, um He's the number one Tim in the world now. Yeah. And, and Tim uh, Yeah. And he'll have one about Pauli Kuru coming out. So um, I might actually put that on the website, put our press releases, and if you guys want to copy and paste those a bit and put them on, you know, um, use them for yeah, them. for um, for your uh, club newsletters or promoting them, would just uh, would be greatly appreciated. Greatly appreciated. Now we've reached two hours. Okay. I don't think we have actually. <sighs> we've been we've been faffing then. I, I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.